Hey everybody, brief production note here. This episode deals with a plot featuring several substance abuse, emotional abuse, and consent issues. If you want to avoid these topics altogether, feel free to skip over it. And now with that, on with the show. I'm one of your hosts, Mara Kate Elliott, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, LaToya Ferguson. Hey, LaToya. I'm just a kid and life is a nightmare. Hey, LaToya. <laughs> we are joined again by special guest, Joshua Rainey. What's up, Josh? Two years ago, I was afraid of wanting anything. <laughs> I figured wanting would lead to trying, and trying would lead to failure. But now, I find I can't stop wanting. I want to fly somewhere in first class. I want to travel to Europe on a business trip. I want to get invited to the White House. I want to learn about the world. I want to surprise myself. I want to be important. I want to be the best person I can be. I want to define myself instead of having others define me. I want to win and have people be happy for me. I want to lose and get over it. I want to not be afraid of the unknown. I want to grow up and be generous and big-hearted the way people have been with me. I want an interesting, surprising life. It's not that I think I'm going to get all of these things. I just want the possibility of getting them. College represents possibility. The possibility that things are going to change. And I can't wait. And scene. That was, of course, Tyra's yes, was. college essay. Hey, Josh. Hello. And I saw, I would prefer that you address me by my married name, Joshua Rainey hyphen Chandler. Oh, yes, of course. Mr. Mr. Rainey Chandler. Uh, I just yes. wanted to add, I'm just a kid and I know that it's not fair. I mean, honestly, did you guys quote the same thing? I, I kind of zoned out. It seems like you did, but no, sorry. Um, so this week, if you can't tell from that lovely intro, uh, we watched Friday Night Lights. Uh, season two, episode nine, the confession. Dun dun which, dun. Uh, as everyone, we can we can start right off the bat. It starts with Landry confessing to murder like an idiot. Well, we like have to, he is the rest of the episode. We have to address the previouslys because yes. we have to we have to get people into the zone of what we are because the previouslys are literally ferret guy Santiago, Carlotta, Tammy slapping Julie. Oh and my god, Lila's being like Julie tell forever. the truth. Uh, I could watch the scene of Tammy slapping Julie for the rest of my life, and I would feel absolutely fine. You you heard it here first, everyone. Mora condones child abuse. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I condone like you know people Beating. getting theirs. People getting theirs. She, she did. She did deserve that, honestly. No, I mean, like it's tough because I understand there's obviously a delicate issue there, but Julie is such a fucking smug prick. She needed a smack to the face by anybody. Her I mom mean, just happened to be there. Julie is, to- as I call it, a teenager. Yes. Yeah, what? I know. The teenagers are still the worst. It doesn't change things. Ha- but I just I don't want to jump ahead too much. Right. But like I feel like Julie's position in in this episode makes sense. I just have a problem with it, and we'll get there. With I don't think the show is actually showing that she, what she's doing Correct. is what she's saying she's doing. Right. I think that's a good point. So, I mean, previously, Tyra and Landry killed a guy. Basically. <laughs> right? <laughs> it was all Landry. Well, got, yeah, but it was pipes. Well, Tyra's Tyra. the one who told him to, like, you know, 
dump the body in the river. <laughs> the, these two are such idiots. They, they would make the worst criminals. idiots in love. Ugh. 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 I, this is me. The funny me. thing is that I think they're so good together. I did well, yeah. well, I did, but then this shit happened. Ugh. So this is, I think, our. I mean, what brought okay. them together? Okay. I guess we should purpose this whole episode by again welcoming Josh to an episode that is otherwise on a great show and even a decent episode, but really more of a uh, season low. I yeah. think this is probably the worst of this show. I think it is the worst of this season, and is definitely the worst of these two characters. And and this also needs like another <laughs> trigger warning for like consent issues. Oh, I will. Why am I always on these episodes? (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it it seems to me like this sort of... They got got Tyra and Landry together, the unlikely couple that they were, and they had no real obstacles, so they threw a literal dead guy at them, and they're like, make do with this. (laughs) And it sort of... It feels actually very disingenuous to the show at large to have something this serious happen. Because because it was very disingenuous to the show at large because it was basically an NBC mandate. Season two is pretty much an NBC mandate. Somebody kills a guy. <laughs> and, we, we need yeah, they had they had to amp it up to get and more sexiness. ratings, and instead of doing that, the, you know, people were like, "Oh no!" But if if someone on the show was going to kill a guy by accident, it should have been Riggins. Let's be really honest. <laughs> the poor here. boy. Riggins should have killed his goddamn roommate, and it would have been great. That would have been a perfect season two, like, uh, the the murder trial about how Riggins' roommate was, like, threatening to kill people with guns, and he saved the day. That would have been fine. Instead, they make it Landry and Tyra, and it makes zero sense, because neither of those characters seem likely to kill a person. I mean, Tyra obviously would joke well, about it, I'm sure, and so would Landry. But well, she was, she was being attacked. Yes. Yeah, I mean, let's well, I let's know, not forget I, that. There was a sexual assault happening. I know. I, I, I agree that by, it was the right... In the script, he's written as Mike the Rapist. Oh my god. That is but, literally his credit. Like, go I to IMDb, his oh credit god, is Mike the Rapist. But, like, I understand that, and I, I absolutely defend her right. They're both of their rights to defend themselves against I, him. I, I had no problem with the whole scene. Them to be hiding, them honestly just hiding things was the problem because exactly. I don't have a problem with what happened, like the actual event. Then them hiding it like stupid children because again they are teenagers. That's the problem. They're friends with like ninety percent of the town's like and, authority figures. Just and again, call his somebody. dad is a cop. Oh right, I always forget that too. Yeah, like, his, his dad, dad is literally a cop. Mm-hmm. So what? What are you thinking? His dad actually got, I believe, got rid of evidence. It might have been even in the episode before this. Oh, my God. Yeah, they burnt, like, the car that they carried the body in. So, like, I I understand where they're coming from, where it was obviously a heat of the moment. It was a horrible thing, and they were defending themselves against him. That's not the real issue I have here. It's more just, like, the idea that now this has become some weird calculated incident where he's trying to claim guilt. It's just stupid. This whole episode is about Landry understanding the dictionary definition of guilt. I'm like, this is boring, because this, this is character what happens, is not an idiot. This is what happens when you make characters super religious, and they're like, I guess I gotta listen to the Bible. It's like, well, I mean... And also, <laughs> like, uh, who's to say, like, why is Landry suddenly so anti-whatever-his-parent... I mean, I, he's always been kind of a bit of a, you know, weirdo. But, like, <laughs> he he suddenly is now, like, you know, I'm so pious and righteous and this and that and that. I'm like, Landry's always been, obviously, a little bit uptight, but, like... It's. It felt very sudden a twist for him to be like, I, I have to do this. It's right. It's the principle of the thing. It's like, well, really, really, Landry? Because well, I mean, he's always been like super him. Christian. He had a he had a Christian 
death metal band named yeah, his Chris band called Victorious. Chris Victorious. Oh my god, I forgot about that. But the other part of that sentence is death metal band. So again, he's not always just like a totally... Like, some Christians will consider death metal to be non-Christian. Like, that's the whole thing. And I get what, I get what, what they're trying to do here is, like, obviously broaden a character to have depth, but... The way to do it is not have him do that. It's it's to have him, like, actually maybe get in a fist fight and then feel bad about that. Or him, like, put somebody on life support. It's killing a guy and then hiding the body. It's weird. I'm okay with the... Well, okay, let me rephrase that. I'm not okay <laughs> with them killing the guy. <laughs> but was. it's the dumping the body that it goes against, like, what Friday Night Lights is about. Which exactly. is, like, you know, it's a real show. Like, like not a real show, but, you know, it feels real. Yeah, and well, this did not feel real. Like you, like oh yes, I can super relate to people killing a rapist and then dumping the body in a river. Exactly. That's what I'm. That's my issue. It's not even really, like even the Jason Street of it all, where it starts off with a very very high drama, high um, a hyperbolic kind of um, you know sadness and 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 serious injury. Like that makes sense. It's like. The, the it's it's like hijinks the way they were hiding the body it feels very it's, it, to me it just doesn't track with the way the show feels at all which is a, kind of why I think a lot of people associate this with when the show was kind of not still finding it I mean it's weird because I think the show started out and the whole first season really they found their footing very quickly but this is the point where I guess what, what we're saying too is NBC network noting they they were trying to do a little bit more and it got a little too ambitious or something or a little bit too out of their comfort zone because this just doesn't feel they wanted it to be One Tree Hill basically. that's what basically what NBC wanted it to be God, can you imagine really this, this show is One Tree Hill it's just a nightmare <laughs> an absolute fucking nightmare but that's Luckily, they kind of, I think they, I think they recover from this pretty decently, but this was definitely the worst of the worst. Although, even besides the the Landry and Tyra parts, which we'll get to, there's a lot of other stuff going on here, which becomes great, but in this episode, it's definitely the worst of it, which is just, it's more like upsetting and the characters are just acting really annoyingly, or sadly, or you're just kind of like, why are these people being so mean to our characters? Which is, I mean, obviously it's not bad TV necessarily, but I think it was a low point for a lot of the cast in terms of what was going on in their personal lives and what was going on in their, their plots. Because even, like, I would say the best in this entire episode in terms of what they're doing is maybe uh, Matt. And Matt is still, mm-hmm. when you look back on it, not doing great. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's doing great in the moment, but, like, you look back... Oh, actually, the only person that comes out of this episode looking great was Smash. The <laughs> payoff, the payoff for the mm-hmm. whole Matt storyline this season, though, was so good. Right, and that's I think that's maybe part of what we're talking mm-hmm. about is like, this is kind of the big big ant hill you have to get over in order to enjoy the the later part of the season or the show in general. This show is very much about you know crescendos and and building, and then you know this is definitely uh, this is a a very very low bottom uh, valley of the entire season two, I believe. The right, show so, plays like an explosions in the sky song. Yep, yep. So let's 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 get into some of the meat of the episode. There's not a ton outside of the main like Landry entire thing that's going to be as terrible as what we normally do on the show. But but like, there are certainly points that we could talk about that are upsetting and there, hard to do. Yeah, with. and there's things that like building like the street thing actually leads to something yeah. eventually. Yeah, and we can talk. We're going to talk critic a little broadly about the season in general. So if you haven't seen it before, I recommend watching it. It's great Just TV. watch the show, people. Get for sure. Here's, here's what you need to do and with this season. For later season. It, it needs, this season needs binge watch. Because even, like, yes. the Tyra murder plot 
is not as bad when you watch it very quickly. Because it's over. Because, I mean, it's nine episodes. That's not a lot in the grand scheme of, you know, a season of television. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, let's let's get into it. So, we, we mentioned it starts off with Landry confessing to the murder. He's already, yeah. obviously, committed the murder, and it's actually been a, a secret up until this point, but now he's like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm done. He goes to the cops. Yeah, the episode, I think me. last episode ended with him confessing, yeah. He, and he tells him I took a pipe of him twice in the head, and then he kind of throws a tantrum when his father shows up and says, we're not letting you get arrested, because yeah, we're normal cop, human beings. The cop he's confessing to is like, I'll go get the tape recorder, basically, but he's, he goes to go get Landry's dad. It's kind of shady, to be honest, but it's a small town. <laughs> they all know and each again, other. Like, his dad's a cop. Landry did nothing wrong. They they know who this Mike the Rapist is. They've like already, the cops have talked to them just about that the in general. They found the body, right? Because, okay. like, and he had, his sister or something was part of it, I believe, and then... Yes, and they find out he was actually a serial rapist. Yeah. Like, like what? Well, Why like, does he feel so guilty? It was, like, I... six to seven women or something like that? God. Uh, I think it was five. Mm-hmm. Five other... I think one of the other entire. issues I have with this is that it's so unambiguously not a bad thing yeah, that he killed him. he's such a horrible person. Yeah, and not that I'm saying it's like, I mean, killing another person is never ideal. But he's basically it's, a monster. Isn't yeah, it? so like, but if he's coming at you and he's already raped seven women, God knows he's gonna try and rape this one too. There was no subtlety about that, so, you know. The whole way that it played in like the first episode of season two, though, is like, one of the reasons he was so guilty is the guy was literally walking away from them mm-hmm. uh, when Landry hit him with the pipe. But, like, as they even mentioned in this episode, that, that w- wasn't going to stop him from coming after someone else, basically. That's true. And then for all we knew, I mean, we didn't get a ton of this guy, you know, his personal life beyond just hearing that, but for all we knew, he stalked the women he almost raped and raped them eventually. Like, he could easily find Tyra from this situation, I bet. Yeah. It's a small town. He just... St- he actually, he could just stay in that area and find... Yeah, he from- did. He did stalk Tyra. Like, and, like, that's the whole thing. And, like... Because f- that was, yeah, in the finale. Oh, uh, season one finale. And, the, and right. the last of Summer, the first episode of season two, uh, you see him show up at multiple f- places. And then, finally, where this all happens is he... Like, because the, the actual attempted rape of Tyra happened in season one in yeah, the episode finals, Mud Bowl. Yeah, right. And... It was it was a very good episode. You need to watch it. You need to watch the whole show. But that episode is like probably a favorite. Mm-hmm. But it happened in season one, and then in season two, it opens with her being basically stalked. Like she sees this guy, and you don't know like if it's kind of in her head, like if she's paranoid. But then it ends up no, she's not. The guy is literally stalking her around Dillon, Texas. And to me, that's just someone who's, I mean, I, I, I'm not familiar with law that much myself, but from shows, obviously, that's escalating to a point where he will attempt to rape her again, or whatever. So, it, it, it seems to me like there was absolutely clear and evident reason for him to intervene. I mean, obviously, he used deadly force, not always an ideal, but I don't think he really realized what he was doing. He was kind of just trying to protect her, and then it, when he actually died, he was like, whoops. Like, I don't think he planned on, did he plan on murdering him? I just, I don't even, he just hit him with it, and I don't think a he was pipe. like, yeah, I think yeah. maybe just. He, he got knocked into, like, a pile of trash, 
and there was like a pipe in the trash and he grabbed the pipe and he hit the guy. But I think he was like, like he wanted to kill him. It was a much incapacitate him. Hey, even if he did want to murder him, I mean, in that moment, it was a heated thing anyway. So it wasn't like he was plotting, like, I'm going to find this random pipe in a, in a pile of trash and murder him. And like him they action. say later in the episode, they try to resuscitate him. Like, these, they're just Seriously, such children. Seriously, get your shit together. They're just such children. It's just, why didn't his parents also, like, take him to a therapist and then have him a bit. Because I don't know, there's so his much parents here. didn't know for the longest time either. Right, right. Well, his dad and, didn't, yeah. His dad kind of did, and his dad's a cop. He should know better. But anyway, so so this is all going on. This is all kind of the prelude to what happens in the first couple but scenes. But I, it's sort I, of Landry throwing a, a tantrum. Yeah, he can't get arrested because his dad's like telling him, "You're not doing yourself any favors, basically." But Landry's like, "I don't want to be doing myself favors. I just want to." I he he basically it is killing him not to confess, and he's like, "I need to confess." And I will say, with uh, like even in all of this that's happening, and that's basically the kind of the whole thing from season two, especially the terrible. This is that, like, Jesse Plemons is acting his ass off, and so is everyone Oh, the show. for sure. That's the one hard so thing, good. is that you're watching people act really well, and you're, they're doing things that just don't make sense, because they're so, they're convincing as human beings doing this, not as bad actors doing this. But, um, so, yeah, so he, like, throws a tantrum, and they're all, he's like, why won't you let me, it's sad, because it does feel like the kind of situation where he is religious, he really, I don't know what, does it, do we know what religion is? It like Baptist or something? Yeah, most likely. So I'm assuming Baptist. Ironically, coming from Catholic, he really just needs confession or something like that. Like he needs to see the therapist. He needs. To, these are the types of things he needs to actually talk. Like he thinks that being arrested will absolve him of the sin, when really he he needs to just talk about it and like yeah. acknowledge that he didn't do wrong which is kind of the crux of the whole plot we'll get to eventually but in this moment he is so physically upset they won't arrest him that he he practically is in, inches away from swinging at a cop like he yeah. is furious that they won't arrest him he thinks that the, it's all conspiracy now and he feels like his, his dad is just letting them all sleep this under the rug and it's i get it but it's also just like come on kid you are literally such a teenager right now <laughs> like you don't realize this will ruin your entire life even if you only get arrested on a pr- on your, you know, momentarily. And honestly, he's not guilty of murder, I don't think. I mean, he would probably eventually, you know, be maybe charged with it that. It would be manslaughter at It most. would be manslaughter, though. Unless they have a really good lawyer for serial rapists out there that are already dead. But, so, like, that's the situation, is that he probably wouldn't even be guilty of murder in the courtroom, let alone in reality. And but, honestly, um... It gets to the end of it, and but like no one in Dylan is gonna like press charges. Basically, can you imagine someone pressing charges for this asshole? But anyway, so that that that's going on. That's the first like that's the intro to the episode. Then we get opening credits, and that's when I start crying like immediately. And this was like seven a.m. I was watching this. This this show is so beautiful and so beautifully shot, and it just again we cannot recommend more to you watch the show, even if this episode isn't great. The rest of it is, believe us. But um, when so- they cut to the when they cut to the credits on Netflix, if you read the subtitles, it says in brackets, "heartfelt instrumental music." That is so true. Too real. Too real. But they uh, should just add, and also the sound of your tears. Yes, <laughs> silently crying. Um, uh, so then we get from this scene to another terrible scene. Oh I, God. I mentioned I mentioned before. We're going to spoil a little bit of this season because certain certain plots kind of... This is them at their worst or their intro or whatever, but they're not finished until, like, a certain point later. Now, this this show is very good at narratives and seasonal arcs and stuff, so it's 
it's important that the Matt and the Carlotta stuff, which is introduced in this, where she's uh, uh, grandma is telling him that she stole her snack wells. Yes. Carlotta, which thing. we must re- remind people or just inform them, is uh, Matt's uh, grandma's nurse, basically nurse. live-in nurse, live-in nurse who who's in her twenties, happens to be young and nubile, and also now banging Matt, which is just not a great idea. Which is, I feel, is kind of weirdly unethical on her part it's, too, right? It's very unethical. How old is she? She has to be in her twenties. There is no way she's re- not in her twenties. That aside, which is already not good. Well, number one, she's an authority figure abusing a child, basically, because he's still 16, 17, right? Yeah. So that's too young, in my opinion, but whatever. So there's that. But, like, the secondary to that, it's also just kind of like, you're his grandmom's nurse. Like, it's kind of unethical because you're supposed to be taking care of her and focusing on her, and instead you're, like, stealing snack wells and sleeping with her with her grandson. Like, it's just creepy. It feels like that's and, probably something yeah. outlined in the rules of whatever, you know nursing company she works for i guess she under the table when later in the episode when she goes to get like so that to alamo freeze she basically just leaves grandma alone can i just say right now up front fuck carlotta like she's terrible yeah do we all agree with that like i agree 100 percent she's hated her awful yeah i'm not a fan and she doesn't really bring anything to the table like some people that are awful characters can at least like bring some interesting plot like she is completely write offable like she doesn't really do much and the effect she has on Matt later on, do you want to maybe talk about that? Because we can... Well, the whole thing is, like, she's such, like, a male wish fulfillment fantasy. Yeah. You know what I want to talk... You know what I want to talk about? No, what do you want to talk about? Grandma Saracen needs a goddamn Emmy, okay? Oh, yes. She's great. She's amazing. She's so really good. But I'm so, so angry about her <laughs> snack wells. Oh, so she... Her snack wells are stolen, and it's... Carlotte... I mean... That was definitely Carlotta, right? She definitely stole Snackwells. I assume she did. I mean, it should say a lot about how we feel about Carlotta that I assume Grandma was right, even though Grandma has dementia, I believe, or some, some yeah. form of dementia. She has dementia, and I you always like, assume that- I'm on Grandma's like, side. <laughs> yeah, usually you assume Grandma just ate him and she forgot. No, I believe Carlotta did it. Yeah, she's you, fucking unprofessional as fucking hell. Creep. She is. She's, that's exactly she's it. She's hiding under she his is, blankets. She is Justice for Grandma Saracen's Snackwells. <laughs> so, so the scene actually we should be more descriptive of it. This scene, Matt is in his room. Grandma opens the door. Carlotta is clearly visible underneath the covers, like not even subtle. It's a big outline of a human being. But Grandma is older and senile, and the lights are off, so because they're banging. And uh, <laughs> Grandma's like, "Oh, did someone steal the snack well?" And she doesn't realize Carlotta's right there, which is haha, Grandma. Which I don't feel like that's part of why this whole thing with the Matt and Carlotta stuff also makes me mad because it seems like they're like sneaking around, having funny like secret sex. Ha ha ha! Your grandmom is senile and not in a good way, and you're just like making all these jokes like in her face. Like it just felt very mean to like make her the butt of a joke. Like, because when she leaves the room after doing that, they kind of, like, giggle, like, dumb grandma, she didn't know you were here. And it was just, like, this doesn't seem like, that's not the kind of Matt we've been seeing up until this point. Because Matt obviously cares about his grandmother a great deal. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I just, I finally found the season two promo that I, I was looking for because the, basically the way NBC was selling season two and basically, obviously, kind of what the notes made the show, it's it's literally like, hey, this is like One True Hill. This is sexy. Which... I mean, I, I love... So much so that they cast the lesbian from One Tree Hill. Exactly. I mean, I, I love Friday Night Lights, and I, obviously I think there's a very attractive cast in it. But I'm, like when I'm talking about Friday Night Lights, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's a sexy show. They're teenagers. Show. 
I mean, I, even uh, Tim Riggins, I'm, like, obviously Tim Riggins is everything, but I, when I'm still on the show, I'm not, uh, oh, you know how sexy Tim Riggins is? Because it's more like, you know how tortured Tim Riggins is. Yeah, and I feel like this is one of those shows, I mean, I started watching this probably when it was just out of high school, so I was, like, I was Carlotta age, but, like, I get why it was, like, you know, they're they're definitely, like, they're all probably grown adults acting as children, regardless. Especially but, Taylor Kitsch. Yeah. But and Scott Porter. Part of the the charm of them is you're watching them age up to the age when you can actually date them. It's mm-hmm. not like you're watching them and thinking, like, oh, yeah, I want to watch these teenagers. Like, it's not. It's, like, no. Yeah. I want to date the person they become, not the person they are as a Especially teenager. when Tim Riggins was, like, de-aged constantly just so he could still stay in high school. Tim Riggins. I... We can't really talk about Tim Riggins at length because this is a this is a podcast about bad TV and Tim Riggins <laughs> isn't on much bad TV. But uh, uh, it is it is a great. Well, we can even just kind of go forward because his scenes coming up. But so the this is funny stuff though. Happens, that's, we're Tim getting like, we is, get like four threads, five threads to the episode. Tim is actually one of my biggest problems with season two. Tim and wannabe Walter White. Really? Yes. I don't know if I would call Ferret Guy wannabe Walter White. Oh, well, he cooks meth, that's, so you know, he's like <laughs> he a, a less appeal. He's a he's less like, appealing like, Walter he's White. Like wannabe, he's like wannabe Jesse, Jesse Pinkman. Pinkman really. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That he, he looks in the mirror and he sees Jesse Pinkman, even though no one else sees that. Really, it's actually wannabe uh, that dude who gets Bad. killed in True Detective. <laughs> like that's the kind of person he's going for. But uh, so anyway, so so uh, it starts out Snackwell's. That's kind of this show introduces threads at a time. So there's like five to six stories going in any given episode, and this episode has like maybe five or six. Next so we have the Landry in the pot. We have Matt in the sex. Scene is now it's Coach little and Mrs. Blob. Coach. And little blob, don't forget little, little blob. blob. Uh, they're she's they had the baby, the unexpected baby from last season, and everybody's uh, in town for the christening. So there's like a lot of stress going on, and Party everyone's planning. And it, it's funny about this show is that their introduction to this whole plot is just sort of like everyone's in town for the christening. Oh yeah, christening, and then cut to next scene. Like there's the, they don't need to go into a lot because, like Josh was saying, it's very naturalistic. Um, it's it's, Although, it's kind of like you're living a slice of their life. Which in is, this scene, Julie literally says, "Mom, are these organic apples?" And I'm like, "Shut up, Julie." Fuck you, Julie. Look at that in my notes. Uh, <laughs> she but, also uh, doesn't think the christening is a big deal. No, she's. I mean, and from her the mom's like, "You're the godmother." <laughs> Get your shit together, Julie. Oh, and also, Jocelyn Gilsig's here as uh, Tammy's sister, Shelly. Tammy's sister, Shelly, yes. And then, so, uh, after that, we also get the Riggins plotline, which is just Riggins doing laundry. Being really, crazy. what I think we need to focus on is Kyle Chandler playing with a baby. Oh, that's always great, too. This but is, it's a little blob. Great moments, but... <laughs> I, I, I can't even focus blob. on t- Kyle Chandler because that child's a- angular head. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, Do you but... disagree? Uh, no, I can't. I can't. I can't honestly disagree because it's true. But uh, so, but Riggins is doing laundry, yeah, yeah, and uh, I... he's basically it's his punishment for being a shitty player and just because he had, he'd walked off the team. It's early, for yeah, it's for when they he went to Mexico with Jason. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is again. There's so many stories going on in the show. You forget the little stuff like that, unless you're a super fan like Josh. Uh, oh, I, I, I really, I love the scene just because you know, Coach is like, "Well, I'm also athletic director, and I need a favor from someone who's been slacking. Do you know anyone who's been slacking?" And Tim just like, uh, "I want to say Williams." <laughs> <laughs> They're so good. The Riggins and Coach storylines are usually like always great, like because even if they're 
they're most antagonistic between each other, you can tell they care so much about, like, the other person. Like, it's not like they're actually, like, friends until a certain point in the show, but you could tell from the get-go that Coach just sees so much of what the potential of Riggins could be in old Riggins, and it's so amazing to see someone champion him into what Riggins becomes, which is amazing. And he already is pretty amazing at this point. This is kind of the turning point for Riggins um, in You mean he champions him into a jail inmate? Oh, God. Really? We don't talk about that. It was the one misstep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Everything else misstep. is great. Yeah. Actually, it's kind of good because he does. He, he took the fall for his brother. Oh, fucking God damn it, oh. Billy. I, see, Rick, so much of Riggins' life is 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 completely reflected upon the people around him, and it's so much out of his control. It's just, it's also, it's very difficult to watch someone be tossed around like someone, like a you know, a wet rag in a dryer yeah. for like. He just hours. wants a simple Texan life, and everyone's just like, "Come on, Tim, text forever." <laughs> He's like a plastic bag oh, floating yeah. <laughs> in the wind, trying to start again. Can you please insert fireworks for us? Um, so, uh, so then, after moving on from that, because we kind of just get the introduction of this whole plot, which yeah. is just Riggin does punishment laundry, and then oh, you're like, uh-huh, and, and other stuff, which I'm excited for that scene. Yes, yes. So but then we get, I, I always Jason. refer to him as Tara McClay's brother, but he's not. Who was he? He was, <laughs> was his name? Oh, Tara McClay's You're the only person who has ever been like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, do you refer to Amy Adams as Tara McClay's cousin? Um, always. <laughs> You piece of but shit. yeah, so that's, and I referred to that dude as her dad as her dad and everything. So you're but, a mess. Yeah, so Terry brother is being gross with porn on Jason. Again, that is Herc. Herc, yes, Herc. I oh, forgot Herc. So he's good. always a creep, though. He plays a creep in most things he's in. To be honest. and this, he's amazing. Yeah, he is great, but it's also uh, he's also being creepy he, right he's now. Also, so he's, he's very much uh, like kind of a sitcom like snarky best friend but not in the good way in a lot of things i mean i like he's her, your douche friend it's like he's your douche friend. really douchey a lot of times yeah i don't know i, I think I, every every scene with him is gold and he, he he's made so funny, funny. this p- jason plot happened so uh no well yeah this plot's not great but okay so he's introduced to um he's introducing jason to this this uh i guess it's like tinder for guys in wheelchairs basically right <laughs> I'm it's more like, like okay, Cupid. Match.com. <laughs> this is pre-Tinder. Right. Yeah, right, pre-Tinder world. I mean, it's it's essentially just like scrolling down a list of like girl. But it's it honestly seems like a fucking call girl sheet. It's fucked up, and it's basically just girls who are into guys in wheelchairs. That's oh yeah! Oh uh, crap! I put it. I want to call wheellovers.com. Oh god! They also talk about MySpace pages, which is so they could uh, so spend like five more minutes on the title of that website, <laughs> like wheellovers.com. But it's like, but no more. It's like real lovers, but it's wheel lovers, so it's actually like really smart. Mm. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm wrong. Um. So, <laughs> but yeah, they, they're showing. He's showing that to, to Jason, and Jason's like, "Wait a minute! Some of these girls are actually hot." It's like, well. That's rude. So what did you expect everybody who likes you to be? You dated Lila. Like, what but are you... she wasn't, like, it's fucking a wheelchair fetishist site, pretty much. Yeah, um, uh, did he date Not Tyra just wheelchair fetishists, as well later. He didn't date Tyra. They, like, made out once because they were pissed uh. about the whole Tim-Lila situation. Right. I don't know. I feel like he's dated other people who weren't creepy like this, though. This is true. See, see the end of this episode, to be honest. But anyway, so, um... Uh, he's not introduced to that, and he's like, oh, yeah, now it's like, he's, like, bookmarking it, so he's gonna <laughs> go mom back. comes in with carrot sticks. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> this is street. 
See, like, it's hard to deal with this plot because I partly get what he's saying because, Jesus Christ, Mrs. Street, why are you interrupting two grown men with, mostly grown men, with carrot sticks? (laughs) But it's still, like, Jason, no. Um, but so he, he sees the, the porn, well, not porn, I guess, but it's but like, you know. Her, her MySpace page is definitely risque. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so they click on one of their profiles and it's like, oh my god, she's so hot. And then they decide to get her she's number. She's really not. This is like a regular looking person. And he gets her number and I think it's, you I get love about how they're like, up, oh, they're so hot. Like, uh, have you not seen the girls you associate right? with in general? I know, like throw Ta- a rock. Tara Colette lives in your town, you motherfuckers. <laughs> I know. Throw a rock in Dylan, Texas, you'll hit four women who are all gorgeous. <laughs> like I That is how this show is not realistic. Yeah, that exactly. is Well I, I do appreciate that some of the guys I mean Landry I I, th- I find very cute, Jesse Plemons, but I guess you would consider him a not traditionally attractive dude. Even like yeah. their main guys. Like I think even Matt, he's obviously uh, like all American looking kid, but he's not like super traditionally attractive right am i wrong i I once saw him at brunch and yes he is oh well all right (laughs) but who else is there who else is there on the show that's i mean obviously they have kyle chandler which is insane um guys charles is gorgeous guys charles um taylor kitts is gorgeous scott porter is also a very attractive man all right so we're probably we're we're wrong on that i guess but you know i feel like they have some guys sprinkled throughout like all the well it happens to be all the shitty guys mostly and then the buddy garrity's where Mm. they're all kind of just like you know and they're all just like, <laughs> what was that? So, uh, they're, uh. they're they're not they're they're people you you would pass if you kept scrolling down wheellovers.com. I guess I would pass <laughs> JD McCoy. That's for sure. Yeah, that's definitely. I pass that piece true. of shit. Yeah. Leave sure. Peter Pan alone. <laughs> Never. But so but so so he's now gonna hook up with her, even though he had probably some better options in 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 his like, zip code. But so um he. He literally in his driveway kind of, yeah right and he kind of shrugs off his mom um when when lila gets there and you know just sort of just like ugh, mom which is i guess understandable he's a kid but uh so then well actually, the next scene is uh buddy, buddy just talking about how great santiago is like he's a fucking like horse pretty much it's always been creepy to me how obsessed with santiago buddy was although that i do was so like weird. there's well, I, I do don't like, think it is. I, he tried to take him in and like give him like you know care. Like if I get like, it, you see in the previous leads it says that uh, this is the first real bed I've ever had. Yeah, and, right. Like, it makes a lot of sense, especially because he doesn't have his children really. And what Ozzie... made it shitty is that they dropped it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, like after the season's over, you never see him again. And I understand dropping a lot of things in the season, but I don't, it doesn't make sense to me to have dropped Santiago. Even if this... It was very a blindside storyline, but I feel like if you're gonna follow through with that, follow through. And they did the whole season, so it right. makes even less sense when he's not around like and later and they Buddy's, never mention it. Buddy's issue has always been that he gets a little too carried away with some stuff. So, like, I, I, I like what he does, and I like his respect for Santiago as a person and trying to get him help and... and give him a good life but it becomes a little creepy at times where he's sort of like egging him on like he's obsessed with him or he's like obsessed with him as like a prospect which yeah they're all obsessed with him as a prospect that's just the nature of the football town show but like it's more it's almost sort of like 
Like, I paid good money for you. Do well, kid. And it's like, what? That's the like, thing come... with Buddy, because, like, he could be a real piece of shit, obviously. But he yeah, has, like, these so moments you... where, like, oh, you actually are a person who cares. You're just blinded by, you know, your love of the game Greed so and much. love of the game. Exactly. And, and, and it's weird, because the same thing you can say about Coach is sometimes he almost seems like he's blinded a little bit by his love of the game. But then he always kind of redeems himself in the way that Buddy never does. Mm-hmm. Or he, he gets close to and never fully accomplishes the same level that Coach does. But so, I don't think this is necessarily a bad plot for Buddy. It's definitely better than some of the plots he's had. But I think it's a little rough until you get to the final payoff at the end of the episode, which we'll get to eventually. But, you know, it's not bad. It's just him kind of being a little bit like, Come on, Tiana, go study! What, what do you think we're doing here? You're, this is the whole reason you're, you're in my house. Blah, 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 blah. And just I, I, have a qu- I have a question for you guys. Okay. Do you think that the reason Santiago disappeared is that he started dating Waverly from the first season? <laughs> I wonder what? now. How long have Disappearing you been thinking Waverly. about that, Josh? Yeah, how long have you been thinking about that? Like, for most of your life, or just now? <laughs> I don't know, like, 2006? Oh my god, <laughs> so most of your life. <laughs> wow. Well, I, it's a good point, because that's, No, you would have been thinking about that, like, 2007, 2008. <laughs> okay, yes. It was, it, it, this was writer Strike <laughs> era television. Right. Oh my god. A dark um, so, time in American history. I, miss Waverly. Yes, I actually, because I continue to watch episodes after this, so I remember, I got to remember Smash's terrible girlfriend who was obsessed <sighs> with colleges. And then, I didn't get to the racism though. Um, but You know what doesn't really make sense about that? Is that Smash in this episode does not seem to act like he has a girlfriend. <laughs> Smash does he never... have her yet? Yeah, he does. I don't, she, <laughs> is Waverly in this season? I thought no, Waverly kind of disappeared after yeah, the... Yeah, Waverly disappeared. This is the... I'm talking about the white girlfriend who was, like, obsessed, basically, with getting him into a good school, and oh, then racism yeah, happened yeah, in front of them. Champion. Yeah. Okay. She's basically, oh, like, his God. fucking agent. And Mama Smack is like, get out of here. Fuck off. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, so... So, um... So, obviously, Garrity's doing that, but Landry's dad is now telling Tyra to get a yeah. lawyer. He's basically he's telling, telling Tyra in her season lawyer. two haircut, get this shit together. Yeah, get a lawyer. Um, so he's... <laughs> I thought we've talked about your accent work. (laughs) You mean how great it is? Uh, Right? You know know what? Tyra's first, like, line in the episode, in the scene, is basically, uh, what's going to, no, (laughs) is what's going to happen to Landry, which a lot of people who I do not like say that Tyra is a selfish person, especially when they're talking about the relationship between these two. And, like, her first instinct, her first thing she even says at all is, like, what's going to happen to Landry? How, Who I, says that and why do you like them? I didn't say I didn't say I like them. <laughs> Just, I don't ever want to be associated with I, them. I don't associate with them, but I've seen the criticism. Right. And I, I kind of get what they're saying in, in theory. She has, like, yeah, a teen selfishness at times, but, like, she's not, like, overall a selfish person. And season like... one certainly lends itself to finding Tyra to be kind of... I think that's a lot of people who probably had a mean girl at their high school mm-hmm. who was really sassy and then banged a lot of dudes and they judged them for it, which is just like, fuck you. Have you seen Dylan? <laughs> I would fuck every one of those dudes. Exactly. Well, she kind of does guy. do something a little... She is kind of... She does kind of act selfishly in season three, which I mean, she, again, she's a teenager. They're right. they're children. Mm-hmm. They look like adults, but they're children. <laughs> they fuck like adults. The water in <laughs> Dylan is spectacular. And but like it's where she basically like drops Landry to get with the guy who's like in the rodeo. Yes, uh, Matt oh. Donovan from the Vampire Diaries. And who could blame uh. her? 
<laughs> he's kind of like top shelf Matt Saracen, if you think about he, it. He is. See, because Josh does not watch Vampire Diaries, he's not he's not aware that Matt Donovan is like the sweetest person in the entire world. So he, he only is knows the Matt Saracen him. of yeah. the show, for sure. But, but you, like, he, so he only knows him as, as garbage cash on Friday Night Lights. Yeah, and they kind of even look similar, too. So she's got a weird type, even though she didn't date uh, Matty Matt. boy. Yeah. But whatever. So, so yeah. So she's definitely not immune to being selfish. But no, I wouldn't say that she's selfish in this episode at all, or even this plot line, because I think from the get go she's kind of felt terrible. She she seems from the minute you see Tyra in this episode and for most of this season, I think she's absolutely devastated by what's going on. Like that was traumatic to her, and people are trying. I mean, they're not really trying to make it all about Landry because Landry's the one being arrested. So it's kind of like that's making it all about Landry, but. They're, they're kind of making things like Tyra is, like, causing all these problems. But it's like, alright, I get it. But also, she's, like, a super victim of all of this shit. Like, Landry intervened, but Tyra also was very much She was the one attacked. who attacked. Yeah. Like, I, and I feel like sometimes people forget about that in this episode in the show. I mean, they, they seem they to kind remember, of make it about Landry. Like, yeah, Landry him. killed a guy. It's like, well, you know, you remember why he did this. Right. And I think Landry remembers, but I think everybody else who wasn't there always tries to play it up like, oh, Tyra, you were just exaggerating again. But it's like, and, no. And her, she, her face. Very much when Wolf, Girl Called Wolf her, situation. Oh, Tyra's face when Landry's dad tells her that he confessed is just... It, it is like a heartbreaking like she just looks like her whole world just fell apart and it isn't Absolutely. because like oh wow some this bad thing happened to me it's what will happen to landry and that is just a what friendly reminder like. guys this show barely won any emmys so all right moving on <laughs> um next we have uh, uh football riggins, practice yeah riggins didn't return to the herd well no was is... <laughs> uh, i i have the quote exactly from ferret guy which is say is returning to the herds the biggest mistake of your life fuck and, you and fuck like, you <laughs> what i put in my notes is that tim honestly has no idea how to play this whole thing right but like he's just trying he's playing it as safely as he possibly can because right ferret guy's fucking terrifying he is I and mean, so he... we, he's not being rash about anything he's just like oh okay cool dude i'm gonna go now if you watch the deleted scenes there uh he i i don't know if it's in the episode but the, i don't think it is he says he tells tim like uh to come back to their house and they'll have a film festival they'll have a patrick swayze triple feature feature and I'm guessing the movies they'll watch are Black Dog, Roadhouse, and Point Break. But, you know, Dirty Dancing or Ghost might be in there. You don't know. <laughs> Ferret guy is unpredictable. He is. I mean, I mentioned before, he's, the, he's like a motherfucking Reggie Ledoux. I, I, I can't handle how we're supposed to try and act like this guy is not a creep. Like, he is a creep from the get-go. And it's just, I feel like... Even him being on the school grounds, it felt like, why is no one intervening here? He seems like a psycho. And it's like, why are none of these teachers telling the cops to come and get rid of him? And he gets deeper and deeper into the school, too. So that's It's creepy. And it's just like, why is... I get that he's friends of Riggins, and they're assuming, oh, well, he's friends of Riggins, so he's probably not, like, a psycho. But he is. Like, I mean, at at some point, you have to... Like, look at Riggins' face. Like, Riggins looks... Like, he's white as a sheet. Every time this guy shows up, he looks terrified. And it's like no one's taking him. Although the coach, I think, eventually does, but mm-hmm. it's up until it, t- it takes a lot to get somebody to actually intervene for this, which is well, always very it, hard to watch. 
even Coach only tells him, he's like, just, he tells Tim, yeah. tell him to go to the bleachers. I'm like, because Tim's trying to like downplay. He needs downplay to do a little, yeah. he needs to get a little further away than the bleachers. Right. Mm-hmm. For sure. He needs to get out of the fucking school. He looks like a goddamn pedophile. I don't understand he why need, He like... needs to get in prison. Yeah. And he's just a creep in general. But so, so he's, he's lurking around and basically making fun of Tim for pulling his life together as best he can. Mm-hmm. Which is just like, oh, always a great, compelling character who shits on people for doing well. But, uh, so he, that happens. But then we get Tyra basically, well, like, freaking out. Yeah. Because... She's like, what the fuck? Landry, she's like, you idiot! Like, I can't believe you did that. Which... I think partly, I guess that's another part where someone would probably say that she's being selfish because she's mad at him for, like, you know, coming forward. But she's not mad because, like, wants to keep the secret. She's mad just because she's worried about him. She's worried about him. I think, and this is also a good conversation to have because Tyra is, I believe, very low income, right? Like, yes. very, very hard up for everything. There's a reason why she always used to date Reagan's. This is very similar situations and family lives. And she doesn't have a support system like like uh, Landry does, really. Not to the degree he does. Where his dad's literally a cop. Like she's he's got something to fall back on. So for her, if she, if she has to, anything to fall back on, it would be like a job at the landing strip, basically, is what she yeah. Assumes. Or honestly, Landry and Landry might go to jail. So so for her, in her mind, it's like it's beyond just him, you know, admitting to murder, which is already upsetting because she doesn't want she doesn't want him to get you know in trouble for it. But it's also, I think, she's terrified because she does not trust authority because, in her experience, she's been incredibly victimized by most of her circumstances, which are almost indirectly opposition to what has gone on in Landry's life, which is what's so interesting about those two getting together is because originally they were so different and interesting and it was great. But, like, it, it, it feels, like, really hard to watch because she's just clearly, like, traumatized and it's just, like, one more thing added to the pile of just, like, and now he's going to jail and it's, like, you seem, like, she seemed, like, very close to breaking in most of these scenes. It's very, it's just amazing actress, too, but it's just, it's just, it's sad and she's kind of just freaks out at him because she's, like, I'm never gonna see you again. You're gonna go away for life, which is, again, they're such children. Like, he didn't even really commit the murder. She should know, like, <laughs> Landry, you're not gonna, why are you even trying, she should just talk him out of it. Instead, she's just kind of like, you idiot, why would you, it wasn't like, you idiot, you committed manslaughter, you're not going away. She's uh, very untrusting of the cops and everything, the whole system in general, so I'm sure she's, she's assuming he's gonna go away and maybe get killed, maybe the death penalty, it's Texas, who knows. But, uh, so, uh, <laughs> That is Texas definitely forever. what they're assuming is going to happen. It's like, right? Oh God, and it's like, gonna you get the death penalty. Chill. I'm gonna get the death penalty, too. It's like, no, people My calm down. And it seems to me, like, obviously some of the conflict here is because Landry's, like, railing against his dad and the whole situation. But, like, it would do a lot to benefit them all to just sit down and have a conversation about what things mean. Because no one really <laughs> seems to describe to them what's well, really gonna no, happen. It, it, we'll get to the lawyer scene, because... That the lawyer tries, but yeah, but it doesn't but really work. That, we have uh, Santiago uh, tanking at practice after Buddy's Coach hole. flipping it. I always yeah. forget how I always forget how absolutely horrendous Coach can be at practice. I don't mind it because he's a coach, but it's always like, oh my god, Coach is such an asshole. Although sometimes. the next episode was the one where the coach from the other school fucking tackles Riggins during a play. Fuck that guy! Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, they explain it though. Yeah, why it's the still, guy did what right, he did. Yeah, they it's, explain it's it. Really it's still sad. bullshit. Yeah. Oh god. But so um so 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. This the show is so complex, guys. Watch the show if you yes. haven't watched the show. Yes. Um, and then we get Please. the hilarious um, necessary to protect scene between the lawyer and him. And the, but I killed him, sir. Which is just like, but there were mitigating fuck. circumstances, dumbass. Like, they, they keep trying to... I mean... It really is sad because it really kind of does, like I mentioned before, the difference in the support system. We have people literally describing to Landry, here's why you don't need to go to prison. And he's like, I think I should. Whereas I bet some people who are in this situation will go to prison because they don't have people championing the basic conversation about this is not wrong. And I, I put in my notes that specifically, like, this scene is, like, kind of the unintentional result of, like, heavy, like, uh, teachings of the Bible because he's taking it so literally that he, he it's just, he killed a guy. The end. Punishable no by black death. Or white. Yeah, so yeah. there's no quote-unquote magic words that can change that, basically. Be- and I, I honestly, I understand his guilt to an extent because uh, just because he's had to, like, wrestle with this. And he said that he just kept it all inside, but like he's basically refusing to see the shades of gray, and that's the problem. Like a despicable man assaulted Tyra and other women. Like right, he did the right. I think thing. he's not focusing on that. He's focusing more on like the blood on his hands, mm-hmm. kind of thing, and I guess the after effects. Which I mean, arguably that could probably be you know disturbing a, a dead body is probably something. I don't know. Just there's there's some there's something there he probably got charged with, but like. Uh, it is also in stark contrast to a lot of, I mean, not to get too real, which I know is what you like to get real. I, but, I mean, uh, always getting real. It, it is a real stark contrast to a lot of current events in, in our world, which is just people being absolutely taken advantage of by cops or actually murdered by cops for admitting to far less actually crime, like literal crimes. Like, it really says so much about Landry and, like I mentioned before, the support system about what he's able to get away with. Not that he's even getting away with much, but like, to him basically sitting there demanding to be charged with a murder and these people are arguing like you cannot admit to this because you didn't do it whereas I guarantee you if this happens any other place with any other support system and not a cop for a dad and not a lawyer for a dad's buddy you're gonna go to jail like pretty quickly and you'll probably get murdered in the, in the meantime like if there was any other kind of situation where it was like someone walks up to a bunch of cops and says I killed someone People have been killed for less, mm-hmm. so like it, it's because he's being like, so obtuse with it. When like they know, basically know everything that happens. Like you didn't right. do anything wrong. And it's important, I think, to mention that because it's not like we're trying to say like you know he's like oh, but I think I did wrong. It's like he is fuck you guys, charge me with murder or get the hell out of here. I'm not worth it. This isn't worth my time. It's he's so aggressive about it. It is. It's almost like he wants to go a county over and just say, like, no, will you guys charge me because these, these assholes don't bother, <laughs> don't, don't want to deal with me. And it's like, dude, you're not guilty. That's what you need to listen. So he's being very teenager-like about it all. As the lawyer is, is, as in plain terms as possible, trying to describe to him what guilt means. And he's still kind of like, uh, I don't really understand, but all right. Um, so uh, besides that... Let's look at the bright side. There will be so many Crucifictorious albums written about this. Oh my this. god, can you imagine? <laughs> oh my god, what would that follow? Oh my god, would be great. So, um, but after that, Street and Lila are, are back to talking about... Which is honestly is an adorable scene, just because you don't I get like a lot them. of just the two of them being friends. Because of They're all great. the past. But yeah, like, she just... She teases him about the whole uh, Isabella's the girl that he's gonna go on a date with, and you can when you're watching that scene, like there's no like slight jealousy or whatever. She, she's honestly just teasing him as, she's a, as a friend. For him. It's, it's adorable. I think she's absolutely delighted. And, and he calls just... her my favorite Christian. And it's adorable. 
Mm-hmm. And so he's so he's sitting he's oh, he's sitting there uh, yeah, he and she comes goofing up. around in his front like in his front yard just pl- doing donuts in the driveway. Yeah, she comes up and she's like, "Oh hey, what's up, Jason?" And then he gets a call and he just kind of makes a date on the phone with in her in front of her and she's like, "Are you smitten?" It's real cute. It's very 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 adorable. And, uh, which is immediately, like, you know, bookended by a terrible scene again with Julie being a complete bitch. Oh my god. Okay, no, here's- Okay, this is what I was talking about earlier, because Mm -hmm. this is where Julie goes to her dad and basically just says, Mom's going off the rails, and I feel like uh, I'm going to disappoint her or whatever, because I have a lot of shit to do, basically, and she's just dumping this thing on. And honestly, I think that's a good thing that she said that. And based on the episode, they do want you to believe that. Like, that is actually the case. But based on what they've been showing us with Julie, especially right. early on, none of that is true. Although that is supposed to be the, tr- the truth. But is it? That, yeah, I, I get from, like, the end of the episode, like, that specifically is the truth. She wasn't just, like... Cause at first, I find at, that bullshit. At first, I, I thought know. it was bullshit. And she was, like, trying to go behind her mom's back like, just to get, like, dad on her side. Well, but, she did. But she, That's she, true. But it wasn't like, oh, she was just kind of fronting. Like, just, yeah, she I, wasn't I, trying to start a fight. She just needed somebody, she, like, you know... She legitimately was, like, feeling She needed someone on her side. But I feel like, especially because a lot of the early season two was just Julie just being insufferable and the fucking Swede. So that's, that's, what, I'm, that's what I'm seeing, basically, and not, you know, the overwhelmed stuff. And honestly, like, she has dance troupe and all that stuff. At least she did have that. So... I don't know. I still feel like that was a little bit hyperbolic of her. I, I, to me, I guess it depends on what, how you're... I, it's weird, because it's, like, it's a very personal thing to deal with your family that way, because, I mean, in, in honestly, in in, um, in a fucking... Uh, I'm saying Mrs. Coach, but in Mrs. Coach's mind, she is not seeing Julie mm-hmm. in the same way that she was raised, because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how, at least how I, yeah, I was she, raised, similar, where it's like, guess what? If you've got time to sit around and do something, like, boring mm-hmm. people are bored, if you want to get real about it. That's the whole... It's It's the mentality of if, if you're not doing something it's because you're you're choosing not to do something and it's it's not always a great thing to do to kids because i'm sure it's it's very much pressure and it's a lot of you know it, it gives a lot of pressure on what they do but i don't think it's necessarily like a, a terrible thing to say is like i don't really care unless she's like unless she's got like eight things going there's no excuse for her not to and just come through for her family i do wish like they especially maybe in this episode we could have seen it more just because like we know Julie's a good student, obviously. She works hard that way. Like I said, she has her dance troupe. And we know just from early on in the season, she was helping take care of Little Blob with her mom when Coach was off, you know, uh, coaching college ball. Mm-hmm. But what the immaturity she's having now, like the way she's acting out, most of it is over, like I said, that Swede garbage and not the actual thing that would have made sense to see in this episode, which is actually All they need to do is, like, two or three scenes where she's overwhelmed with school. Like, that's mm-hmm. all you need, and then you understand where she's coming from. I just didn't see that. I, I see it. I saw her basically just being annoyed with her mom about the slap, being annoyed Asking with her mom about from the organic the apples. And then just going, like, oh, I'm really overwhelmed. And it just felt, and it also felt so, I mean, also me having the father that I have with the mother that I have. Mm-hmm. It is so clear to me she's playing him from the get-go. I mean, that might be that, me reading honestly, into the situation. That's but... what I thought at first in the scene, but then just later, yeah. I, I, once she finally talked to Tammy, like, oh, okay, and now I get it. But, yeah, they really should have shown something better, especially considering the stuff they did show with Julie this season. Plus, I think, like, she she's kind of experiencing 
a little bit of culture shock because she's got she has always been like the only child mm-hmm. right and now she has like a new sister that she has to take care of and then her dad started out the year and he mm-hmm. was away like all the time mm-hmm. and if we, i mean let's not forget julie is like the youngest person in this cast yeah. she is at the most 15 years old mm-hmm. right and because i get that I think I the moment in the scene that made me realize, oh, she she wasn't fucking with him, is when she says to her dad that I feel like I'm going to disappoint her or something. I'm like, oh, finally, finally, we're getting to the root of why you're acting like a dick. But it's just like you said, there should have been a couple more scenes, just in general. Yeah, and I, I feel like, I mean, having had some similar situations where I took care of someone so much younger than me in that situation, I'm sure it's a lot of projecting for anybody who's been in a pressurized situation can re- relate. But I also think. I think part of the struggle there was that, um, I mean, for Julie at least, is that uh, it's not like her mom hasn't probably done that herself. I think her mom probably had the same thing when she was younger, maybe not, but I don't, it just sort of felt like, okay, this is a struggle for you at first, but it's always a struggle at first. Like, you have to acclimate, and if you, if you're automatically let off the hook, you'll never acclimate. So that's, it's always kind of a balance, and I think it's a little tough in general, to show that stuff without, you know, a very, very detailed, clear plot of her kind of, like, breaking down. And they never really do that. Why the fuck isn't Jessalyn Gilsick doing anything? Right! That's all. She's just, like, there. Like, um, maybe you could help Julie. Right. (laughs) Come on, Terry Schuster. Like, seriously, (laughs) at this point, she's not, like, just flirting with Tim Riggins all the time, so I don't know what she's doing. Not yet. That's, yeah, that's the next episode. Yeah. Couch oh, well, speaking of Riggins, though, uh, they got a 8.6, right? Oh my god. We just got an 8.6. Yes. He uh, is so into it. It's so adorable. And, uh... Yeah, he's at... He's, because of his duties now for Coach, he's, uh, do, the, basically just the scorekeeper for the gymnastics meet. It is maybe one of the hottest scenes I've ever seen on this <laughs> show, which has included pretty graphic sex. But, uh, uh so he, he's, like, like, you know, like, you have judges, there's 1 to 10, and everyone puts up a point score. He's, like, he's super psyched about them getting an 8.6. And he's like, she's uh, been her own worst enemy all day, it's pretty bad. And it's just... face, at, like, this reaction is like, what is The happening? absolute sincerity with which Kitsch delivers these lines, I don't think he's joking for a second. Yeah, I think you, you'll know when he's being invested. a sarcastic asshole, but he's so into it. He is so into it, it is easily one of the most attractive things to see someone basically flourish as a human being. Like, that's what he's doing in this moment. He's kind of just committing himself to being a, being a gymnastics um, a judge, helper, whatever you want to call it. But it's just, it's very, like, it's very nice to see Riggins not sad and not troubled, which immediately following this, yep. creepy dude comes up yep, and ferret troubles guy him and makes him sad. Creeping around, and he's like, hey, let's just go to the landing strip, dude. Nothing I love like... that we're calling him Ferret Guy because just, his, everyone calls the, him Ferret Guy. The, the guy's name is literally Guy. Yeah, is it really? <laughs> but yes. like I've never not known him to just be known as Ferret Guy. Ferret Guy with a Ferris. Oh, good lord! Or Reggie. Lino. Here's the funny thing: the guy is not like a terrible looking person in like actual life. Well, yeah, he did, he like, did like he did like shot. he did like a like a prop eight a fake prop eight ad saying that like if like, gay marriage was, like, this was in, like, 2008, like, that if gay marriage was legal, he would fall in love with a dog, and it's pretty funny. (laughs) But he, he, I mean, I I brought up Reggie Ledoux, too, because it's very much, like, looks like he rolled around in dirt and meth, 
mm-hmm. and came up for air, and then he's just walking around a high school. And it's like, why is no one intervening? There are a bunch of young women in gymnastic leotards, and this creep is, like, mouth-breathing to the side, literally inches away from some of these young women. It just seems very creepy. And poor it Riggins. Is very creepy. Riggins is very protective now of his team. Like, you can tell, like, he's now, he's like, 8.6, 8.6. So he's, like... <laughs> He looks like he's physically restraining himself from, like, saying, get the fuck out of here, but he's worried about what this guy will do to either the girls there or to him. It's, like, it, it, it's it's sad. He looks like he's being held hostage by this person, yeah. and he doesn't really know what to Wait, do. He basically is. Yeah, exactly. He has, like, that, all of his stuff is, well, all the very few things he has are there, and Poor Reagan. he's stuck. He's stuck there because he has nowhere else to go, which we see why in, yep. in, in later on. But uh, then b- before we get to that, though, we have um, Giuseppe, uh, again, Santiago, uh, is overwhelmed by all the studying. Because we mentioned before, but he's obviously on his case about, like, you know, learning all the plays and being the best he could mm-hmm. be. Yeah, he's already and stressing out about this on Santiago. He now, is. like, basically, like, has a meltdown over about the, stu- the, about the studying. Like, he is losing his mind over it and we don't get to the point where he's actually freaking out yet but you can tell he's like getting upset over it and like kind of can't follow along but uh then before then we're getting back to that in a second but speaking of julian um and mrs coach again they were kind of i mean i think they were playing i still to this i mean you guys disagree and i the episode does definitely support that so i'll i'll concede that but honestly i feel like the scene kind of I, I realize the point where she's like, oh, you know, she just goes to school, blah, 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 and goes home. But I feel like that's kind of proof that she just kind of writes Julie off at th- that moment in the scene. Right. And so, so, so she's talking to Coach going to bed, and Coach mentions, bless Kyle Chandler's sweet little heart, where he's just like, uh, they're literally, he waits to the very last second. <laughs> they're like, feet are in the bed, eyes are closing, lights are going off. He's like, oh, by the way, uh, Julia asked me about this, blah, 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 trying to get her off of having to do all this stuff. And then uh, Mrs. Coach is like, um, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, if our daughter go- if our daughter who goes to school and comes home is overextended, then that's not the girl I want to be raising. Which- we have a big family event and we need your help. <laughs> yeah, she's basically. like got tunnel vision. And like I said, again... Julia has dance troupe. I'm sure she's tutoring like all the time, too. Honestly, yeah, I'm. It's weird because I absolutely agree with you, and it makes more sense now that that's the truth but, because it follows up. But having come from a family where you're just demanded to do things, yeah, I, I don't really. I have no real problem with Mrs. Coach. Even, she just didn't realize. I didn't even plan to like defend Julia in this episode, obviously. I did. I have in my notes. I have in my notes. I love Julie Taylor. Fuck mm. the haters. Uh, I just... <laughs> one second. I, I definitely had a Julie phase, uh, like, around this this time in my life, too. Yeah, that like, is, around, that's like, probably why... Age, yeah, that's probably why I'm, I'm actually kind of projecting, is that I have, A, played my dad against my mom for that reason, because he's easier to convince that I'm overwhelmed, because she's never going to believe Your father is Kyle Chandler, why didn't you tell us? Exactly. But, uh, and then, and also, like, she... I knew in my own life, when I was saying to people that I was overwhelmed by things in high school, I was bullshitting. I was just sick of dealing with having to, like, you know, mm-hmm. have younger sisters or, or cousins or whatever. Like, I'm not saying it's always, like, I'm, I'm See, wrong. I'm, I I'm actually was overwhelmed person, and everything, which is why I was like this. See, I wasn't. So I was like, too. Well, I mean, I'm sure it was in the moment. Maybe looking back on it. But it feels like I was like, all right, you were maybe exaggerating because what the hell was I even really doing that was that. See, that's the thing. That's what's kind of interesting about the show in general is it does. It's very, very much a very uh, fair and honest portrayal of teenagers because these are the types of issues. Like, to me, looking back on it, I'm like, I'm in my mother's shoes almost where it's like, well, what was I even upset about? I did, like, 
I did a bunch of stuff, but I wasn't, like, doing enough to really, like... I wasn't really working full-time at that point, so even then, that would have been an issue. I don't think she's even working on the show, but regardless of that, like, there are things that you could probably claim to have had that were sort of overwhelming in my schedule, but for the most part, in that moment, they felt like everything... It felt like everything was coming down on me, and I probably was overwhelmed, but it really in retrospect, was not that much of a, a, a plate full of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I think that's kind of where we're at with Julie, too, is that we're, we're seeing things as adults, even just in brief. So, if, if you're annoyed with Julie in this moment, it's because you're probably seeing it the same way Mrs. Coach did, which mm-hmm. was, like, until someone says to her, I'm overwhelmed, personally, person to person, she's just gonna assume you're, you're you know, being hyperbolic or mm-hmm. going behind her back, especially because the scene ending last episode where she slapped her. So you think it's probably also a personal thing where she's just like, ugh, mom, I don't want to deal with her. Let me mm-hmm. just go tell dad I don't feel like like doing this and then I'll get out of it. Like, that's probably a lot of where she's coming from, too. And that's part of, it played into why I thought she was probably, you Well, know. that's another thing I think this, that season two kind of dropped the ball on is that Tammy was dealing with, also dealing with postpartum depression. For sure. Like, clearly, like, in the first episode of the season, you can, it's very clear that you can mm-hmm. see that that's the episode where she slaps Julie and, uh, where she, like, breaks down when, uh, Coach says that he has to go back to the college that he's coaching at early, and she just breaks down crying, and it's, it's like she does not have a moment to breathe. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really give it enough attention, which... Again, I mean, the writer strike happened, and so that was, like, a big problem. Why a lot of stuff in the second season probably didn't get resolved. But I will say most of the problem also, is the NBC mandates, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's... Mm-hmm. Oh, they I, didn't give things enough time to, you know, really breathe. Mm-hmm. Which I, they learned to deal with later mm-hmm. more oh, than they did in this season. Uh, this is very true, yeah. Uh, I just uh, also want to address uh, you loving Julie uh, Julie Taylor, which my problem with Julie is because I honestly I, I love everyone on the show, and yeah, my, I like her too. I yeah. mean, I give her shit, but yeah. you know, she's not terrible. But my problem with Julie is just like, she's a Reggie Ledoux. The things like the Swede and um, the married guy later. Oh my god! The ma- oh my two, god! Those two things, yeah, are like the worst. The worst. Can you defend them, Josh? No, but I mean, <laughs> those are like they're they're like being, it's though. mistakes that like are natural. They're mistakes that like sort of I I, I don't know if you'd say they're I, I, sort I, of a rite I, of passage. I've not yet but in my life slept with a married man, so I don't know how natural that one is. I just told you I was married to Kyle Chandler, so <laughs> who was married? So oh my god, okay. wait, are, are you and Latoya yeah. having an affair? No, you're in a big love situation. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, you're the married man. Um, but so, I, I get, I agree with you, Latoya, in that sense, because I think those are two pretty unforgivable things normally, but I think what you can appreciate about the show is even the, the, even someone like Riggins, too, has done a lot of bad things, not bad things, but, like, has done a lot of... He's a child alcoholic, I mean, like, seriously. Yeah. I mean, and like, he's, so he's a troubled person, and you could argue that a lot of his behavior is because of that, but okay. there are things you could probably write off as being part of that that he maybe was malicious with. And she's, same with Julie. Like, I bet, like, a lot of that was her own, like, weird, like, I don't know, like, life of having a father that was, like, basically a saint in this town. Like, that, it's a lot of weird issues that I'm sure played into that. 
And well, and then, like, you see that he's all, like, if if he's not, if they're losing, he's the opposite of that. Exactly. And that must be a totally... terrible life in a lot of ways. You have to, it's, like a, it's like a president. It's like being the first children, to be honest, <laughs> of, of Dylan, Texas. Well, yeah, in the first season, you kind of see that they, they're moving again, like, because she says, we're moving again, aren't we? Because she's someone who's never, like, Julie has never had, I guess, Stability. a really a solid place to hang her hat. And it's hard to remember that because this show takes place solely in Dylan for the most part until later on. But like for a long time, it's just Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. And you forget that they've actually been a very, very nomadic family for a long time because his it's the nature of his job is having to go from school to school to school. And even in the beginning of the second season, he does still leave, but he, they still finally found a home base close enough to what he wants to, to do that they can stay there while he goes. And I think it's the first time in her life that when he goes, they actually stay. Usually they follow him. And I'm sure, like, these are all things, I'm sure, like, a lot of her issues came from that kind of stuff. But, I mean, in this situation, Mrs. Coach is sort of just like, you know, get away. Like, she's just like, stop talking about this. This is all stupid. Uh, forget about it. Until later on when she actually deals with it. Where At this point, it just sort of seems like another thing she has to deal with that she doesn't want to. And she kind of just tells, she tells uh, Coach to just shut up, basically, go to bed. He's like, okay, okay, dear. okay. He's like, I wish I got that newspaper today. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you. Um, uh, So then we get to, uh, speaking of, uh, you know, child to parent, heart to hearts, Landry and his dad are like, he's like, I can't handle the consequences and it's like Landry, just just let people do something good for you. Like stop yeah, his, hating yourself so exactly. much. Exactly, his dad's like, if you go to prison, you'll break my heart. And it is like he, he like his he's not thinking about you know how the people who love him how, how they're going to suffer basically if he's put away. And it's not like I mean this is again it's very indicative of the entire prison system in general. He's like. Landry, yeah, you might get punished for this one crime, but you'll you'll have that stigma for the rest of your life. You're not thinking about these types of things in the like, general global sense because you're a teenager. He's saying, like, look, Landry, if you get arrested and go to jail for murder, you'll be unemployable for the rest of your life, practically. I mean, you obviously there are systems and, and mm-hmm. hopefully ways for people to get jobs through that, but, like, it's an unnecessary risk when you didn't actually commit murder. You committed a self-defense manslaughter. Like, it's... It's unnecessary for him to be so basically martyr. Like he's a martyr this whole episode, and everyone's like, "You don't need to do that, bro. Like, pump the brakes. It's not that big a deal." And uh, so he, he kind of, the the father is acting his fucking ass off though. Like, real. I, I love that whole scene. It's really great. It's definitely the best of the Landry scenes, I think, because Landry is kind mm-hmm. of unbearable for a lot of the episode because he's so anti very myopic getting away with it yes just like oh if i'm not if i'm not going to jail i don't want to have this conversation basically well, he, he has that scene with tyra which we'll get to later yeah but yeah. where i think he sort of sums up why he's acting the way he's acting in this episode mm-hmm. and he says i feel i feel like i'm choosing between jail or hell mm-hmm. and which I mean, this also I could get into other things that I uh, problems I have with that statement, but you know, this we'll, is a we'll, podcast we'll get for there. everyone. Yeah, we're almost there. <laughs> so, so Riggins, I, I, I did, my notes are here. Did he, did he sleep in the locker room? 
No, I don't think he did. Well, he but... says he got there early, but like my impression is that he totally slept in the locker room. He might have. He definitely might have. But I, I just said my notes were just like Regan's getting started, a head start on his laundry, and then just sad emoticons. <laughs> like that's not that should be a sad <laughs> sentence, but it really is because you can tell he's so desperate to get away from his house that he's just like I need to leave, even if I'm just doing laundry at school. And then uh, they're asking this school has to... terrible security. <laughs> so. But uh, either it's coach or someone else on the team. I forget who. Someone asked him if it's about his living situation. He says no. Mm-hmm. And either yeah. way, you can tell he's yeah, just like us. screaming. He's like screaming yes, but he can't say <laughs> it like, because nope. it's, it's Riggins. Because Riggins doesn't like to take help from anybody. Yeah, he's nobody's charity case. Uh, Speaking but so- of scenes <laughs> that I would rather not be watching, uh, Smash and Matt at the Elmo Freeze. <laughs> Well, I would watch Smash and Matt and the Alma Freeze all day. Uh, I mean, it's usually when... I would watch Smash and Matt and the Alma Freeze all day long. It's when Carlotta oh. shows up that yeah. it's like, no thanks. I and even, also, I Smash Well, I like this scene, though, because then Smash has to take... Smash takes him back and basically tells him how women work. <laughs> God damn it, Smash. After he just got rejected by her. Honestly, and then it becomes it, it becomes like a Steve Harvey novel where he's just like women like boundaries, set some ground rules. I'm like, oh my god, Smash, which I guess technically works because other uh, people in general like boundaries, but like let's not phrase it in such human a beings way. like boundaries. Yeah, like it was such a creepy thing to say because it's like these two guys working at an ice cream shop, dressed like they're from the fifties with the little hats, and he's like, you know, what women like boundaries <laughs> it just seems so creepy and he's just like tell him what to like, do this is, tell this her is too this good is to cool. last and it's just like find out the rules and it's like smash come down like you're not like, i know smash is like, no, like notoriously a playboy on the show i guess but like <laughs> let's not like be so gross about it that you're you know approaching reggie ledoux level creepiness like it was <laughs> so weird and he just is like oh um matt's kind of just like oh um yeah, that sounds good. Like, yes, Matt never really <laughs> great Matt impression. Yeah, like most of Matt's scenes start with "Oh, <laughs> like I love oh. Matt to death," but it's "Oh, oh, all right, I guess." Like it's a you're lot not, of Matt. Scenes. You're not muttering enough. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like it's very sweet, and it's I love him to death, but it does not make for a good person to have a secret affair with an adult. Like it's just like he's gonna be taken advantage of. Even he when he's trying to try he's and take really keep it of her. secret, except for like from Grandma, because the next episode is when he goes like barbecue with Carlotta, and like and, they're making out, and fucking Julian and Riggin see them. And, and even when she comes to the ice cream, when she comes to the ice cream place, it's it doesn't seem like she's being even subtle about being his girlfriend. He says, "Oh, that's my girlfriend," and then like she comes over and like smiles at him. I don't know if they kiss, but it's not subtle. It's it's clearly like he's yeah. got something going on with her. And, and it's that's like, where she says full she's of children. Yeah, a burger for grams, and like he doesn't believe that at all. And I'm like, "Fucking, you're on the clock, lady." <laughs> and also, like, even if she's not, and she's just saying that, like, don't make like weird, like fake. I'm working for your grandmother comments like that. It's creepy. Like, you're taking advantage of his poor grandmother who's sick and in serious need of you to stay home and order takeout or order a delivery. Not takeout, you idiot. But, uh, I wonder if so... she was in the car. Oh, no, I, I doubt that. it. I don't I think don't she think was at all. That. Which is even off- more awful that she basically just drove the grandma around so she could go kiss Matt and steal some ice cream. She gets it for free because Smash just at that point we, in, the, in the beginning of the scene too. Smash is just handing out free ice cream, which I do love. Again, like he has a girlfriend handing out free ice cream to random women in the store. <laughs> Pure and Smash. Matt's like, you know what comes out of your check, right? 
He's like, I'm does it doesn't. Does it? Ah, that felt very like wholesomey. Like, of course you're BFFs with Landry because no one's. How could they get know if you're gonna give ice cream out to everybody? You're just scooping it from a fucking barrel. But whatever. <laughs> so, um, then we get back to Landry. Speaking of Landry, uh, mm. he he. With Tara, yeah, the... they're they're asking like, were you in honestly in fear for your life? And Landry's like, uh, and it's it, Landry. Entire scene is really important here. Because I think until this point, Landry, even though he definitely sympathizes with Tyra, he understands almost what it's like to be a woman. Because he, he's, <laughs> I, I'm not even joking. Like I know he says to, Yeah, he says to her, like, were you honestly in fear for your life, Tyra? She's like, yeah. Like, that's like what it's like. I mean, honestly, being a woman sometimes, even if there's no deadly, maybe he's not a gun on him, maybe he's not attacking, yeah. maybe he's just following you around, but you don't fucking know. And, and honestly, exactly. most guys, even if they attacked you- Depending on the guy, I mean, even if you know Kung Fu or some shit, if a guy's big enough, sometimes they could just sit on you, and it's just gonna be like a- like, it, they could beat the shit out of you. Like, it doesn't matter what kind of weapon you have sometimes. And it was very much humbling, I think, for Landry to be like, oh, she was genuinely terrified, and I think I actually did do something good here. Mm-hmm. Until this point, he almost felt like she was, like, egging him on to just t- t- take out somebody who was annoying her. It's like, no, Landry, he literally attacked her and would probably kill her if he had the chance. Like, it's not like he's a subtle, normal person. This is a complete psychopath who is victimizing women across Texas. Yeah, so it's of like, course she feared for her life. Yeah, and she knew she knew to a degree that, like, from her own radar, I'm sure, is that, like, he was giving her the creeps, and she was not at all subtle about not liking mm-hmm. him from the beginning, and, and for him to then suddenly make a move like that, it's like, well, what do you expect? You think she was, like, Assuming he was gonna just molest her or attack her or rape her and then walk away, I mean, best case scenario, he does that, which is terrible and that's also terrifying and awful. But like, worst case scenario, he does that and then murders her and dumps her body into some random place. It's like you don't understand. He, I don't think that even crossed his mind. I think he thought that he was attacking him for the the crime of raping her or attacking her. And not so much that she was actually physically threatened by him, which she was. And I don't think he realized she was until that moment. Mm-hmm. But it's like, Landry, also, you're also a child. <laughs> you could probably get beat up from some people, too. I mean, obviously, he, he won that fight. But, like, he, I think in that moment, he even feels like he might get killed, too, right? They're, they get in a fight about it. He, he comes up behind him at first, for sure. But, like, he gets pushed into the trash first. And that was no, like easy thing to do. Landry's not totally small, so you, it felt, I, 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 there was enough physical menace there that I, it, it's nice to actually see them, like, unequivocally explain yes, she felt like she was gonna get potentially murdered or or worse, to be, to be raped and murdered, and and he actually should have intervened. He, he needed to hear that in, in no uncertain terms, because before this point, he must have been assuming he was just, got carried away, and you know, whatever. So, uh, <laughs> we should know better because women like boundaries. Uh, so, uh, so he kind of just breaks down. They both are like devastated by this poor, they're just children. And she, and, like, he finally gets it. She even says, you saved me. And that basically is what ends the scene. It's like, right. please get it now, Landry, please. Please stop this. Because it's also devastating her because she's also scared that it's going to affect her, that she'll also go to jail, I'm sure. And, uh, but then, then we've, speaking of breakdowns, though, Santiago, this is, like, the low point of the episode in some ways, because Santiago, Santiago also has a complete meltdown Well, yeah, because Santiago's from the streets, you yeah. know? I mean, yeah. Buddy's response is good, but, like, Santiago's actual breakdown is 
Not great, Bob. <laughs> it really is. It's great. And so Buddy's just kind of like, what's wrong? And he's like, what's wrong? And then he kind of just goes off what? on a goddamn, like... You white guy! You know, I don't need you. Because I'm, I'm Mexican, see? <laughs> and it's also weird because he makes some good points in his rant, but he also gets kind of... Almost like he's trying to push Buddy away for being nice to him, which is... When he's what? from the streets, essay. Yeah, he calls him like a he calls him a fat white guy who wants to feel good about himself, which is true. Yeah, I mean he's not wrong, but like he makes some decent points too, where he's kind of like, "What's the point of like you being so hard on me?" But it also does get a little over the top, and when he gets personal and weird about it, so you can't really tell if he's genuinely upset or he's just like defensive about like feeling vulnerable. He's clearly lashing out because he's scared of failing. That like obviously. But he does read Buddy Garrity for filth, which is kind of great, because yeah. Buddy Garrity needs that a lot of the time. Yeah. But that Why does Buddy... no one else ever do that, right? Right? Well, I, Lila I really love their does. relationship, though, because I, I wish they hadn't have dropped it. Because it, it, it has such a sweetness to it, like, really. I mean, he treated him like a son, basically, because his was gone. Yeah, it has, like, the underlying, like, Buddy's, like skeeviness but that's just buddy in general like he was clearly yeah, trying I mean, to do something good he needed he's a, he's a, a used car salesman Can we, yeah like trying if, to fill the hole in his heart basically in a way too one of the best scenes with lila was when she drove the car that her father at this was in i believe season one after lila spoilers for season one if you <laughs> haven't watched it do it watch the show guys um, but where she, dr- he gets Lila a car after she finds out that Buddy has been sleeping with Tyra's mom and she drives the car into his used car lot. And when I say into his used car lot, I don't mean she drove into the parking lot. I mean, she literally drove the <laughs> car into the window and then backed up and drove through the window again. I love Lila. It's so good. <laughs> I do. It's a good. She's an underrated character. She really is. That's another one people are like, "Oh, Lila." I'm like, "You shut your mouth." Well, it's the lady. I mean, it's like the three main lady characters: uh, Lila, Tyra, and because Julie. Josh, like they're 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 slightly unlikable women, and and anybody who's a woman who's slightly unlikable is just evil, of course, because women have no flaws. They're perfect people. I mean, that girl or else is poison. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, having a, having sophisticated female characters is actually obviously a strong element of the show and, and really great, but like definitely makes for some people finding them completely off-putting because they're not used to seeing them in media. <laughs> um, but so this is the point where um, Julie, spe- the women character speaking, Julie oh, kind oh, of... Oh, well, I, uh, I guess uh, just to finish the scene before, Buddy does like to say... Oh, say sorry. He, yeah, yeah he, he's, he's so sorry, but he's also like, blah, 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 I'm blindsiding you. So you have to be a part of the team. <laughs> blindsiding you. Can, you. you can be part of the team where you can get out, and it's like, I'm okay, I'm not going to get out of the car. And then, like, the last thing Santiago says, he's kind of under his breath is, I hate you. <laughs> so, like, like, his dad, just basically, like, we're, you're grounded. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you that's great. Good. That's basically <laughs> the scene. And then, so, um... Yeah, then Julie Julie wants to grow up but can't take responsibility for me. But I get she's now like a bitch fit like about the dress. When I have like a normal Julie bitch fit, she's like, just tell me what you want me to wear and that's what I'll wear. And then little blob starts crying just to make it even more chaotic. And then it, it was the the fight they have is so funny though. She's she's like, Oh, I guess I didn't do this right either. 
because they're both very passive aggressive like to each other. It's and like it's... Deja, deja vu from from, from well, my teen life, honestly. Because when she it... says when she says everything I do is wrong according to you, I'm like ah, <laughs> so and also so real. And the and the peak of it being, of course, the the real fuck you line, which is the most ambiguously nice line and out of context, is a thank you would be nice, and that is one of the uh, that sentence in my own family has caused nuclear war. I mean, that is a, a thank you would be nice. First of all, her saying that to the mom is insane because like, think you, you think anyone nice. says, but also like it, it it's such a thing like it's such a complexity of being an adult now and watching this show because. A thank you would be nice is the kind of thing you say to someone who is ungrateful. But I mean, first of all, Mrs. Taylor, obviously she's but at this point. Like her, her mom again is like very tunnel vision. You can only see one thing. Agreed. Agreed. But they're both being like do you I don't know how often the scene. There's, like there's a lot of unpleasantness in this yeah. episode. And also, like, do you think that she gets thank yous every other day? Exactly. I don't Tammy, think so. as soon as Julie <laughs> leaves the room, she's like, "A thank you. yeah, it would be nice for me too." Tammy yeah. says. And it's really sad. Clearly, they're they speaking the same language, but they're yeah, they're very similar. They're, it's very, 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 very reminiscent of anybody who's been a teenage girl or guy and had similar fights with their their parent. I'm sure. Uh, but so uh, they kind of this is the scene where they have a meltdown basically, and they kind of get in a, a spit out brawl with each other over a dress, which is hilarious. But uh, it is so funny. They're just at the same time, just both of their voices going and it's so hilarious to watch like it's sad but it's so funny yeah and they're they're good they're, they're just charismatic people i think but uh then then we get landry's like official interview yeah, yeah tape to confession he's like i thought he was going to kill my friend which is true yeah and then that's that's kind of it for that but uh then because we need to i'm barreling through this because i want to get to jason's date yes the next thing is jason's date so it's okay and jason's date likes to <laughs> She, again, his I date slash the beginning of his future. Oh, yeah. God. Um. So he met the girl on, on Wheel Lovers, right? Yes. Uh, and I love that name. She's because <laughs> her real Will lover, Will lover. Yeah, real lovers are real lovers. Um. But so uh, it, it it is a rough scene because at first you're like, oh look, Jason's found love and it's very sweet, but then. <laughs> It becomes about how she's really kind of just trolling uh, ostensibly, which is actually really upsetting and sad. Because, yeah, like, we, you know, the lovers who, who are on the wheels are the ones you're, you know, more open-minded is basically what she's saying. Which is just terrible, because it feels like she's just like, yeah, I'm basically targeting guys who are desperate. Which yeah. Which is sad, and it's just not... It's a shit. Also, like, it's 2006 or seven. It's 2007, like, yeah. Well, there's obviously she's a, a terrible person th- as right. this continues. <laughs> but uh, there's a website out there, I'm sure, for people like you. Just like, there's Wheel Lovers. So get off that website and go to a website for people like you. Not wheellovers.com. But, uh, so, sponsored by Wheel Lovers. Wheel Lovers. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by wheellovers.com. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, they, they are in the middle of a relatively pleasant conversation with the, like yeah. flirting and being they seem cute. hitting it off jason's like really happy and then he's like you're real cute and she's like oh thanks he's like i wouldn't expect that from people on wheellovers.com uh and she's like oh really he's like yeah usually people there have some like weird thing going on or i would expect people to have weird things going on whatever and then she like admits to him slash like brags to him that she's into uh, you know what really gets me going what really uh... gets me going p what wheelie gets her going is some pee. 
Dude. First and then of all, she dismisses it. Bury she the excuses lead. herself. Bury the lead. You do not bring that up on a first date. You're an idiot. Or maybe she's just like, I want to just like, get out of here. But it's like. Because we got to remember, he's desperate. He's on wheels. And, I mean, she should have showed up, saw Jason Street on wheels, and said, never mind. Or give, me, give your buddy Herc my number. Like, it's not <laughs> a situation where Jason. I don't think Jason's going to be down for that. He looks like all American cookie cutter quarterback, which he is. So it's like, I don't know what she's anticipating. He's a lady in the him. streets and a freak in the streets. He's doing wheelies in the street. But anyway, so he's he's kind of like, his face though, <laughs> like, it is amazing. It's he, great. He looks absolutely terrified. I mean, you know what? He, though? Is, like, he panics. And like, there's a couple things that happen here. Like, she's not a good person because I think she's targeting men in wheelchairs. That's mm-hmm. what feels mean to oh, me. But... Oh, I want to say real quick, my note is that Scott Porter's face is that of a child. That's how yeah. he, like, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. and my, his my eyes notes... get so big, like, um, what? Yeah, that's, my notes were, my note was just his face, though. Uh, but so he, he looks terrified. And then, like, on a real level, it sucks for her that I, I mean, she has such a specific kink that it's not gonna be that easily but she's findable. Also shitty. But like, she's also shitty for targeting she's him, not, so it's like... She's targeting them not as people, but just as, like, a weird fetish thing for her. Right, and I want to I wanna be clear, because I think his reaction is partly because of that, and partly because he's just a teenager who gets creeped out by the fact that she's, like, into peeing. Uh, so there's a little bit of both going on there, where he's like, oh my god, he's like, you're literally... So it's it's a little sad, but he, he kind of just goes like, okay... And I also want to clarify, because what he does next is kind of important to know she's kind of a bit of a douche, and we're not really saying he's doing this strictly because he's judging her, mm-hmm. although he does sort of definitely judge her, with the waitress especially, but, like, it's also because I think he's just like, oh, I'm way over my head, because yeah, this girl's he, like, she's not only just into went it for- from zero to a hundred. Yeah, and it's like- it's, When you'll see later, he was kind of right. Yeah, and also- yeah. Yeah, he he calls it, and also he's also like I guess seventeen years old, he, right? He'd be, he'd so, be like eighteen here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, eighteen maybe. So he's he's old enough, I guess, to know you know to, to obviously had sex and everything. Mm. But like, I think the introduction of such a specific and in depth kink for someone that age is like, oh, you're gonna want to have a lot of crazy weird sex. Like that's or a lot of crazy sex in general, and like that's a lot for him to hear on the first she date. Based- he's still a good Christian boy in many respects, yeah. so he's but like, he's what? she's basically wants to like treat him like her sex prop, kind of. Yeah, and it's like I, like honestly, like. Like I said, don't bring that up on the first date, girl. Like, it, it's, you know, ease that kind of situation mm-hmm. in. Like, I don't know what she's thinking. Like, he's a child still. You're not going to want to talk about that kind of stuff until you've been dating someone for a long time, I'd imagine. Especially for him who's still young. If you're older, well, I think you're the episode, that. it does a good job, too, highlighting that he is basically a child by opening it with his mother bringing him carrot sticks. Carrot sticks. And like they said, he was doing donuts in his, like, front yard. Right. And then in this scene, literally gets propositioned by someone who who could, uh, honestly, probably have sex with him in a second. Like, that's that's the vibe you're getting from this woman, is that she's, like, down for anything. And, well, down for especially one thing, but other things. As long as it involves your DTP, down to P. Yeah. (laughs) God damn it. You're um, so, so, so he pieces out. Well, well first, first of all, the wa- he, she goes he, to the bathroom. Yeah, right. He then he asks the waitress basically be like, uh, just tell her I had to leave or whatever. And the lady's like, I'm not gonna like break up with this girl for you because usually that's like a shitty dude thing to do. Basically, I liked it. I think it was great. For I her thought to that say, was great. I'm not gonna but, be part of this. But then he told her like what the situation was, and she's like, oh, oh, okay. 
Then she was on board. First, I mean, I get it, but also it's like, Jason, like, keep your mouth shut. But he, like, made it clear, like, too, like, this is a first date, and that's just not how things go down in the streets. (laughs) Not with the streets. Though, really, Uh, this is the first day of the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, so he, he, uh, like, in quotation marks, leaves, and then the date comes back, and then asks the waitress where he went, and she's like, oh, your friend left. And he's like, she, of course, is like, that's not possible. He's oh, in a yeah. wheelchair, <laughs> and, and I, I drove. drove. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. And then she's like, so, and then, like, this is where you get to see what kind of a shitty person she really is, because the waitress is like, oh, well, well like, I don't know. I don't know. She's like, like, so you're gonna tell me that he's down there, like, wheeling on the side of the road, like, getting away? It was just, like, a really crappy yeah. thing to say. And she's like, I guess. I don't know who this person is. Like, wh- And also, why are you holding this poor waitress? Bitch, to- I don't know your life. <laughs> and why are you holding this poor waitress to task for knowing all these details about someone who just right. left? She's a like, waitress. She's, it's not like it's her friend who's a waitress, or it's his friend who's a waitress. It's just some mm-hmm. random girl. And so then his all escalates to, like, the waitress kind of demurely trying to say calm down, mm-hmm. and her basically flipping you out. You tell and, me to calm down. And throwing water in her face. Like a crazy, she's like a and, and crazy to, person. She, she to, is basically Brooke Shields' character from yeah, Friends. From Friends. Yes. Yes, she is. And so you <laughs> cut to Jason, in, like, the kitchen. who is hiding in the kitchen behind the doors. Which is just like okay, a couple things. One, that's definitely a fire hazard, I'm sure. But like, secondly, no how did she could not see kid. him there? It's like the it's the door's like cracked open, and the door he's got a wheelchair. It's not like she's, he's like all be she's seeing else. is seeing red right now. More yeah, like, I guess. <laughs> but he's like peeking through. No, the she's door. seeing yellow. I'm sorry. Oh God! <laughs> God damn it! But so so she's peeking through. He's peeking through the door, and he's like, oh my God! I did not anticipate this poor waitress getting like literally water in her face for a time but so uh she the way the girl date leaves off to try and find some other schnook uh and then uh we get the game time which is important because we get santiago puking from the pressure um and they're having a terrible game mm-hmm. but uh in the last oh minute, god they that, they're doing in. awful on that, in that game awful. like like fucking terrible yeah and they put santiago in the last which minute and he by the way through. Buddy says put him in the game because he's a street fighter and it's all like it's very icky racially. Ugh. Yeah, he could have. Like, was... I'm surprised he didn't call him a pit bull. Yeah, or a spark plug or something. They've already well, they've already kind of dealt with that before. Well, yeah, too. that that would be smashed and all the other yeah, black players. Yeah, yeah, season one. Hmm. But the Buddy's not learned his lesson, so he basically says put him in. Although he does do well. I love he as he's, as he's going in. Coach is like, you gotta hit him. I'm like, thanks, coach. And then, um, when, when, like, San Diego, because first San Diego doesn't do anything, but then, like, he wakes up, and he starts snarling, like, he's rabid, and just Whoa, gets, does it he gets, really? Yeah. I didn't notice snarling. that. Oh, I do kind of remember that. I remember yeah, thinking, like, what the hell is that sound? Oh, That was right. Santiago. Wow. That's not yeah. okay. That's not okay at all, and the Pitbull uh, aspersions really come clear on that. It's kind of rough, the but anyway. <laughs> But yeah, Paduku. He, uh, he so turns the he, tide, and then I, I, all I noticed really was later was like I forgot how pretty Santiago's eyes are. He has really pretty eyes. He does have pretty eyes. Well, with that eyeliner, you know, that, <laughs> like, that, that eyeliner. Is we're, we're, on we've, point. we've left off here. Santiago wears pretty heavily uh, eyelinered eyes. It's yeah, really great. I, I love how he just commits to it, even though he's like a street thug. Like you <laughs> know, he's got eyeliner on. Uh, so, so that, he pulls through and they win, so woohoo! Mm-hmm. But, uh, in the meantime... And then he, he thanks Buddy, to, yeah. 
back to uh, Waitress in the Street where uh, they're bonding over bad dates and she tells about a time when one of her dates wore all her clothes when she <laughs> came back in and uh, he was wearing an entire like outfit of hers when she came back from the bathroom which is I, that just seems ridiculous of someone to do like uh, that's mean because you're stretching out her clothes like seriously <laughs> the, the worst person. date I've ever had was just we went to see the movie Lincoln oh, <laughs> I don't boring. have any great stories like them <laughs> well, that's a, that's nah, that's arguably the worst, maybe. But, <laughs> yeah, um, it was like three hours of the worstness. Yeah, but um, so then in the meantime, though, they they're, while they're talking about bad dates, they have a good date and they hook up, ha ha ha. And, and um, Jason's like feeling it. Should we spoil it for the rest of the world? Yeah, he knocks this chick up, dun, dun, dun. and then but- he basically forces her to have the child. Jason. The first day of the rest of his life. <laughs> Jason. Oh, Jason. See, this is what we're saying when this episode really matters in this arc, because so many things happen here that become major parts of the entire show. But, uh, well, speaking of that, uh, we get to Matt telling Carlotta about the ground rules. And she's like, um, ba- again, really, really displaying her abusive power. Basically says, oh, shut up, child, and kisses him and interrupts him and throws him off. Which is just, like, sad, because... Yeah, poor Matt was actually trying. I mean, he's uh, trying to going, define the relationship right here, and, and going like, ah. going about the poor way of doing it, smashes away by giving her boundaries. But he's still, he's honestly, he's on, he's on really uneven ground, and he wants to know where he stands with yeah. her. And she won't let him do that because she doesn't want to define it because she knows she's abusing power and being terrible with and him. And it's upsetting. They never like really address that. Honestly, it never happens. She just goes, and then that's it. Oh god, it's sad. But, um, uh, so she kisses and interrupts him, and that's kind of where that mostly ends up. We'll get a little bit later on, but, uh, but before that, though, uh, Riggins gets woken up by Dan with a loaded gun, and... Yeah, he looks like a shotgun, because he forgot to, uh, feed the feed ferrets. Feed the ferrets! Gotcha! Those goddamn ferrets! And poor Riggins, who is, I mean, arguably on the show, other than this creep, one of the hardest people on the show, and very aggressive, and I actually wouldn't even be shocked if we had a scene in this season where Riggins did this to somebody else, because he was distraught and crazy. But, like, this is, like, next level, because this guy is not Riggins. Riggins doing this would be a cry for help. This guy doing this, you don't know what he's thinking, because you don't know that character at all, for the most part. So, he's got, like, I mean, it's a AK-47, it looks like, right? Or something big? I, I don't even know, which is a shot, shotgun, as far as I know. Oh, it's but a shotgun? He's yeah. got a shotgun in his It's face. huge. It's like mm-hmm. a massive gun. That's not, even, not that it's better, but it's, it's still yeah. scary, because if he gets shot with that, he's dead. Yeah, uh, he's, and he, like, laughing. He's like, oh, I got an impromptu soiree with my friends. He says impromptu soiree, because he's so classy. So he classy. forces Tim to come down, and they, they even offer him meth as soon as he gets down there. Yeah, and there's you can see they're boiling some meth, which is just so classy, soiree classy. So uh, there, there's just stuff everywhere, and poor Riggins. Riggins' excuse to get out of the house is, "I'm gonna go get some vodka." I'm like, ugh, he's such a child, and he's just, but also smart because they don't question it. They don't say, they're like, hey, "Yeah, Riggins. you do that. That's good." They let him go because if he had tried to say I was going to school, they probably would have been like, "No, school's for suckers. Let's so, do some meth." <laughs> it's just like, wow, we're a bunch of heroes. Uh, but he's uh, going- no going back to the herd. God damn it! <laughs> so so then, then we get the aus- the awesome. awesome he like bad peels scene. the fuck out of that. I know. I feel. I poor Reagan's. Poor Reagan's. Uh, uh, and then uh, we get the scene with Jason and his parents, though, where <laughs> he actually does stand up to them, although he's being an idiot about it, and mm-hmm. he's like. Well, his parents are pissed he didn't like, call. Because he didn't... I guess, let's come back. So did they drive over to her place? Because he apparently... Well, or, they, or they just, like, 
fucking the car in the driveway. I thought they fucked in the car in the driveway. I assumed that. Find like, out he went out afterwards. I guess. Yeah, because the fact they couldn't, they had no idea where he was. Like, if you look outside, how old do you think she? You guys might, might know this offhand. How old is she compared to him? I would Same assume age? she's like twenty-one at least. Okay. So I, yeah, I mean, I took it that like he probably slept at her place. Yeah. Okay, so she has a place to sleep at that's not her parents, mm-hmm. like he does. So he sees this is now his like stab out into the uh, independence mm-hmm. where he needs to, he needs he needs a place of his own he really does random waitresses <laughs> away from the carrot sticks yeah and i mean like on one hand i get it because he wants to get out of their hair and he doesn't want to deal with like them yelling at him for not calling although he could have called he's in a wheelchair and he's an 18 year old maybe give him a call i'm just not gonna be home i'm sleeping over a friend's house just lie it doesn't matter just call and say sorry i won't be home he didn't do any of that so they've been up all night and, uh, so he, he sort of was like, oh, okay, I don't really care what you think, because I'm not gonna live here anymore, and he decides to move out. So, we'll get to that in a minute, with the actual move-out scene, but he's just sort of like, um, sorry, don't care what you think, bye. And it's very, 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 very teenager-y to say. He just seems like he has a tantrum, basically, and says, I'm gonna move out because of this, which is just a not a great idea. <laughs> you should never move out of a house based on your own impulsive behavior, but he does. Uh, and his parents are pissed, obviously. Um, but then before that, we get the better parent and, and uh, child scene where Julie and Mrs. Coach make up. Finally. Of, sort of, for the most they fin- part. They finally have a real talk. And they just kind of, like, let their air out, let air out all their issues... We, we, we kind of mentioned a lot of them before, but she kind of just explains, like, I am feeling overwhelmed, and here's why. And then uh, Mrs. Coach kind of acknowledges it, and they, they just, they communicate, which is nice, because you don't get a ton of that on the show from time to time, because a lot of it's, the melodrama is based around the lack of communication, but here, they do talk it out, and it's great. So, they, they kind of work that part out. But in the meantime, uh, Mrs. Coach is walking from one of the rooms and sees that, oh, by the way, uh... Coach Taylor. Honey, I Riggins see Tim Riggins is parked out in front of our house. I don't know what that's all about. Oh, uh, so, like, it says that one sentence has a whole, it's like a short story, I swear to God. It says so much about the whole situation. And, uh, Coach just goes out and gets him a sleeping bag. And I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Like, he, he got he, a sleeping he, bag to sleep in the house? Yeah, because he, he, he brings him in the house, too. So, like, he's sleeping in the house. Coach, you can't give him a bed. <laughs> like, but I guess he's just sleeping here temporary, so he knows he's gonna have to need something for long term. I don't, who knows? But he gives him a sleeping bag. It's cute, and he comes in the house, and uh, they go off to the christening. In the meantime, well, though, yeah, so Rick and the, the next scene actually, I believe, isn't the christening, but it's it's Jason already moving into her. It's like it's yeah, immediate. Jason is and Lila's helping because they're best friends, and it's adorable. Yes. Uh huh. And uh, he has already raged. I mean, they house. did almost have a threesome with Tim Riggins. So. <laughs> It's the least she could do. It's not, it's not make beautiful jokes like that, Josh. Uh, so, she had to leave because she had to go pray. <laughs> God damn it. <sighs> so, uh, and, J- and Carlotta and Matt are making food and who cares? Yeah, they're back to being in love, which is just like, no, you're back to being habitually abused by her. Yeah. Uh, and then the Christening, which They're probably using the grandma's snack wells, oh, yeah, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they're, they're at the Christening. Santiago's there because you know he's such an important part of her life. But yeah, Buddy's there. Wait, well. Santiago? Yeah, Santiago yeah, was at the christening. Buddy. He's at the christening with Buddy, but then he never Which makes appears no after sense the season. Why is he there? He's there, but like Tyra's not there of the christening of her best friend's like baby sister. But like, why is he there for real though? Garrity's well, not really good friends. Well, no, Buddy's technically Coach's best friend. Oh God, I guess. <laughs> A poor coach. I mean, he's the one who turned his back on the. He, 
Buddy Garrity turned his back on the Dillon Panthers yeah. for coach. So that's a big deal. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I always guess I consider Mrs. Coach's best friend, which is lame and sappy. But <laughs> it's true. upsetting, but it's true. <laughs> it is true. Uh, so uh, they also get back to Landry about, hey, by the way, we're not pressing charges. So that was all for nothing. <laughs> but I, I but, must say, I really love when uh, they hear like the knock at the door and then like, just you have the camera showing all like the uh, childhood pictures of Landry. Oh, I love so that. Good. I love that. It is great. That that was an incredibly powerful oh, choice man. on the director's part. Just did pictures of the family and him, of course, in a crucifixion shirt. <laughs> It's so sweet. And so, suddenly Landry is now all about the whole dropping the charges thing. He's, like, psyched about it, which is yeah, great, he immediately goes to Tyra, and he's like... And they hug, and they cry. They hug, and they cry, and it's... it's they're like, it's, it's finally over, because that, that storyline's finally over, and we're all so happy. Yes, and that's that. So, I mean, it ends on a good note, and it has a lot of greatness to it, but, like we said, we had to get through a lot of... A lot of darkness in this episode, in general. And Fucking ferret guy. Yeah, that honestly, that is my least favorite part of the season. I, I think they did some good stuff with the whole murder plotline. I mean, it's not all in this episode. Yeah, I, well, no. I mean, I think throughout the whole season, like if you watch it, there are really good st- scenes with like Tyra and Landry on the bridge and things like that, but. Mm-hmm. This it gets a lot of everyone. Everyone hates on it because I mean it was the least realistic thing they did. It was not in tone with the rest of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, do you have any other wrap up thoughts? I mean, we kind of covered most of it, but that's that's where I'm at. I think it's kind of it's definitely more likable than most of the things we do, but it's riddled with some real serious issues that definitely I think are worth attention. For anybody who's watched mm-hmm. this show, they know exactly what we're talking about. This was very notorious amongst fans as a, a lot of people stopped watching as a result of this, or at least took a long break. It was upsetting because I mean, the show got so much better and then it was great. Yeah, and yeah. if you so, did stop watching, how fucking dare you? <laughs> oh, whoa. Okay. <laughs> Personal call out from Josh. Yeah, Josh um, to fandom. If I do have quit, a question. Maybe you. Josh can answer. I think maybe I even asked you before. But why was the Swede called the Swede? I to this day don't understand it. Because he was Swedish. He was not Swedish. I mean that that was like my that understanding is that he was he was a Swedish guy because Matt talks about him being Swedish. I never got that impression, especially because the actor is super Hispanic. His the actor's name is Alejandro Rose Garcia. <laughs> I don't know. I have uh, no I, idea. I <laughs> no Swedish person has ever been named that. Maybe that was his band name because Julie went to see his band play at a bar. It, like, he doesn't have a name, which makes it even more insane. We only saw him in like two episodes, though, didn't we? Yeah, but it just—it just drives me crazy. Well, do we have any other questions, comments about the episode? Why was he called the Sweet? <laughs> okay. If you want to know the name of the song. That's in, like, that ending montage. Yeah, what is it? It is, um, okay, let me find it. I have it right here. It was... That's a long song title. (laughs) Arrangement of Shapes in Space by Camera Obscura. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's... And they didn't even... really, really, really moving. They didn't even replace it on the DVD, which was nice. Very nice. And this show is very much about music in general, so if you, like... 
shows with good music. You like shows with some melodrama. Then illegally the download biggest... it because they changed all the music on the I DVDs. Will... The, the <laughs> next episode, because it's also a sign of the times, it clearly has them dancing to uh, Crank That Soldier Boy, but they replaced the song. But So they're doing the, the dance from that, oh my but God. it's to a completely different rap song. It doesn't oh, even sound man. anything like it. But so, so I, I would recommend people, uh, the biggest turnoff to a lot of people is that either they're really big fans of football and they think this is all little kids playing football, mm-hmm. or, or they're, they, and, they hate football. football and they think it's all about football. Both of you are wrong. It is is both entirely about football and not at all about football. It's about community. It's about pride. There is some football in it, but even the scenes with football in it that have a lot of football featured are hardly, you know, a complete waste of your time because there's usually something happening off screen. There's been some momentum built to the episode, to the, uh, the, the field itself. And the field is used almost as if it's a, you know, like a wrestling ring. It's not like it's used as you know, watching a game of football. It's used to work out issues that have been going on throughout the episode. Like, the Santiago scene was almost entirely built up on him getting on the field and earning his pri- earning his keep, basically, in, in Buddy's mind. So, like, that's the kind of stuff you get from this. It's not... The, the times that they use football heavily, it's usually as a, as a plot device. And it's great! And then even for people who love football and think it's gonna be a bunch of, like, teenagers fucking and then football's, like, in the background. You Trust me, you'll even get enough football stuff that I think it's not yeah. not even Again, not worth your time either. The show either. is not One Tree Hill. It's not. It's not yeah. at all. It's even more, for it's... any early One Tree Hill that I can defend, like, still, it's not, not the same. There was a really great quote in the New York Times. There was a really great piece about it, and I've got it right here. It's the real message of Friday Night Lights is a message about the joy of the little things. The mm. awkward thrills of a first kiss, the strange blessing of an unexpected rainstorm on a lonely walk home from a rough football practice, the startling surge of nostalgia incited by it. the illumination of football stadium lights just as the autumn sun is setting, the rush of gratitude in an otherwise mundane moment that comes from realizing that this admittedly flawed human being that you're squabbling with intends to have your back for the rest of your life. Friday Night Lights embraces the rough edges, the fumbling, the understated beauty, and uncertainty of the everyday. It's rare for a TV show to acknowledge that happiness is a fragile, transient thing. Although the tenure of Friday Night Lights may have proved just as fleeting, its exquisite snapshots of ordinary life won't fade from our memories so quickly. I mean, that's beautiful. It's true. And I, I think... And I, like, I will link you to the piece in the notes. Yeah, I think... I mean, recommendations for this show would be if you like Parenthood, if you like The League, if you like Gilmore Girls... If you like, if you like good television, good honestly. Television. Yeah. All those things are great, in my opinion. This Everything show, all Parenthood, shows, Everwood, but, like... Yeah. And again, these shows all have, a, like, a through line with uh, David Hudgens. As he wrote for Everwood, then he wrote for... Um, Friday Night Lights, and he wrote for Parenthood. Yeah, well, if you like Peter Berg in general, I think it's great, but, I mean, in my opinion, some of the best writing has been on shows like this and similar shows to, you know, really play up, I think, like, what it's like to be both a teenager, an adult, and everything in between. Yeah, and it was also, like, the showrunner for this was Jason Kadams, who was the showrunner for Parenthood, Parenthood. and Jason Kadams, I believe, got his start and on my so-called life, uh, I would believe that it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I don't... 
Or he was on Roswell, too, it looks yeah. like. Yeah, he created so, Roswell. Roswell, for sure. Yeah, so yeah, he also wrote a bunch of My So-Called Life. He wrote uh, some for Boston Public a little bit. Uh, and then he's then he went on to About a Boy, which is also great. And uh, others, and he actually also wrote The Vow, which fits in with this whole, you know, vibe. So, I mean, it, it, this is the kind of show for everybody. It's going to have some flaws. We picked a really ugly apple because we wanted to make sure if you if you liked... Even some of the stuff we talked about during this episode, this is the bottom of the barrel for a show that's full of much better stuff. So you can imagine if this is the best, uh, this is the worst episode of the show. Yeah, it's funny the for the are. last two episodes I've done of for the Televoid have a show about bad television. Have been like, man, I really <laughs> want to watch more of this now. These are really great earnest dramas that just have like kind of black spots in. Well, like, that are even. Aren't even the worst thing you've ever seen on television either. It's just like dark spots in uh, otherwise fantastic shows. Let's be real. We really just want to talk about a show that we like. It's that's very that's true. Always, and I want to make sure we always explore. There's varying degrees of what's bad because this is considered bad by some people. So I want to make sure that we're clear. Like, let's discover a little bit more about why the bad things are bad because this is still bad, but it's. It's arguably one of the greatest shows of all yeah. time. And if so we and if know. we haven't convinced you, there's an Emmy trailer that is that I'll link that, that was the, uh, absolutely too. amazing. Like you will cry during the trailer. So good. Deal with it, guys. You will cry usually like once once every other episode on the show. <laughs> but I, said, the, I was first crying seasons. by the fucking opening credits. So yeah. yeah. So all right. Well, well, that was. I, I'm I'm happy with how we dealt with that, guys. I hope everybody else enjoyed it. But um, we can get to plugs now if you have nothing else to follow up on. Okay. So what's up with you, Latoya? Oh, I of course love to plug uh, Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all guys can also follow me on Twitter at Lafergs always, and you can just find my writing on AV Club and everywhere else in the world. Awesome. And what's up with you, Josh? Um, I want to plug binge watching Friday Night Lights and giving this season and this storyline, the murder storyline, a second chance. Like you know, just take it quickly, watch it fast, and it goes down much easier. And then you can find my Twitter at Atlantic Was Born, and you can feel free to search my Friday Night Lights tag on Tumblr. Beautiful. That's another recommendation. If you want to understand what we're talking about about like pretty, look at that because this show is shot amazing. That's one of the best parts of it too. Is it's absolutely, it's uncompromisingly pretty from from start to finish. The first couple episodes is already gorgeous. And so. they used like they didn't use any sets. They, it was all shot in like real high schools and real football fields and the houses were houses that they rented and like people, like they said that the Riggins house was disgusting, covered in mold and <laughs> people got sick whenever they filmed in the Riggins house, which is appropriate. God. Well, awesome. And thank you, Josh. And as always, I am at Mara E on Twitter. Um, next week's Hangout Mr. Cooper is American Hustle. Speaking of uh, awesome people from America doing doing their shit. Uh, <laughs> awesome people from America doing their shit? You're amazing. Thank you. Uh, and then, uh, then the next episode of this uh, show will be John Doe, Season 1, Episode 19, Shock to the System. It's amazing, guys. Watch the episode before this comes out. I guarantee you it is worth your time. I don't normally say that. But I really think... Oh, the same as this, actually. I'm saying it twice, so I do sometimes say it. But, you know, do it again. Watch this one. It's great. It's on YouTube. Easy to find. 
Uh, stay tuned for that. Keep it's, watching every episode after. Subscribe, review us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and uh, stick around for next week. See you next time. Bye-bye. Queer eyes, full hearts can't lose. God damn it. <laughs>